0: Okay, everybody. This is Dr. Zom um, starting out on the fly. No bone no no frills, no uh fancy uh you know, theme song or anything like that. And that's mainly because I don't know how to do it yet. Maybe one of these days, but we have live entertainment here, so we don't need um recorded music when you have uh Uh, the the dulcet tones of a dullard uh, which is me Um, it seemed like uh, when I just was preparing for the show um, that the old computer is running a little bit faster and a little bit better I did a few things uh, ran some scans and uh, you know um, some maintenance and things like that so maybe that's why I don't know uh, but when I was, you know, God, before when I was typing in anything on IMDb, I, it would just... It was like the the uh, hard drive was about ready to fail or something. I wasn't getting the blue screen of death or anything, but um, I don't know what I did or if I did anything. Maybe, you know, who knows. Um, but I found that I watched a whole shitload of movies uh, and... Actually, like uh, last night, uh, I think the last couple of nights, I haven't really watched anything. And uh, then I was like, oh, God, I'm probably not going to have that that many. But I had watched so many over um, a few, you know, not a few days, but over like a week. I was watching, you know, at least three a day, if not, you know, more than that. Uh, Maybe not that many, probably about three a day average um but i had some you know interesting stuff there there's you know like nothing not too much going on now because again with the corona and all that uh covid um you know basically that's what i was just telling my mom i was talking to her online about thanksgiving and you know i said uh they usually had thanksgiving at my sister's and she said you know they're not going to go there and, uh, my other sister and my niece usually go out, uh, to see them. And sometimes I do depending on if I have to work. And I think everybody's just kind of playing it safe. Um, my sister or not my sister, but my brother-in-law and, uh, niece, uh, I think i had said before on the show had, uh, uh, had COVID. I mean, of course they tested positive, but they were sick and, um, I think they both have recovered. And I don't, uh, my sister told me that her and my brother in law went and got tested, and they tested negative now. So that's a good thing. Um, I took mar- Mariska for a walk this morning, and, um, I mean, it was freezing out. Uh, the outside water dish, her water dish was frozen. And, um, <clears throat> I got to wear my insulated, rainproof, uh, hiking pants and my new parka which is you know held up pretty good I should have put on a uh, a toque or a toboggan or a knit cap or whatever we have the three choices depending on where you live of what you would call them Um, but I didn't I just wore my uh, Pittsburgh pirate hat and my ears got a little bit cold and Mary I think she's got like some kind of an uh, maybe some kind of an ear infection, or it might be like mites or something in there. I noticed uh, yesterday, just all of a sudden, she started shaking her head. A lot, you know, not. I mean, yeah, a lot that I noticed, you know. And um, um, I found a tick on her, and I got that off, And um, but then um, I had some antibiotics that they had given her before, I think for maybe a, oh, I don't know if it was a urinary tract infection or what it was. I can't remember. And I have about four of those left. So I gave her one of those. And then I have some, um, you know, stuff that you, you put in their ears for just for that. It's like some kind of a, specific cleaner that that will kill mites, but it also cleans out their ears really good and if their ears are or are infected or uh really irritated. And I think she had been uh shaking her head and also scratching her ears, but I think it's mostly just shaking her head. I hadn't really seen her scratch that much. And um I'm trying to think when it was last night. I was petting her and playing with her and everything. She, you know, and, uh, she came over and when I went to pet her, I immediately, cause I always like rubber ears and stuff like that. You know, her ears are little soft ears and her ears felt thick, like they were, um, uh, swollen and both of them. And I was like, what the fuck, you know, I've never, I've never, you know, seen this before while well, I was talking online, you know, cause I'm, I'm working at home and I was talking on our, you know, um instant message thing to a guy at work and he's got uh, a couple pit bulls and I told him I said oh my god just out out of the blue you know her ears feel like they're they're thick like they're swollen and he said he had the same thing and took his dogs to the vet and they said you know just uh that it usually will clear up if it doesn't then you know bring them back and everything and since i already had the ear uh, cleansing stuff here and those antibiotics i went ahead and just did that and um um the one thing that was weird was um well, not weird, but what I was going to say was the last time I was taking her to the vet was when uh, she was having a problem with her uh, leg, dragging her leg, and they said that she was getting hip dysplasia. Was they said that you know they're so booked up they couldn't get me in for like two or three weeks anyway, so I probably can't get in anyway. And um, and I had just had an ear infection not that long ago, so. Um, <clears throat> We're going to keep an eye on it. I looked here just a little while ago, and it looked like maybe that one side of her... Uh, the ear and the one side of her face is a little bit swollen like kind of like her eye maybe is a little bit swollen uh, around the eye so she's in there resting she's been drinking a lot of water so I mean you know I guess that's a good thing But uh, and she's going to the bathroom we went for a walk didn't have any real problems or anything she shook her head a, a few times but you know we were walking and she's got a lot of strength and everything and she's been eating and everything so just trying to it's it's something in there I don't know if it has to do with maybe that tick she does have Lyme disease and uh you know we've treated her for that and got her the uh, the booster and all that for that uh but you know ticks are bad now and I've even I even have the uh tick medicine on her I'm giving her these chewable things that um you know kill help you know kill or repel fleas and ticks the drops that repel and kill fleas and ticks and their eggs and also a collar um. so and I still found a tick you know it was like on her almost like on her jaw so that's why I'm wondering if that's what it was maybe that that got infected or something I don't know because um, it was just out of boot. like I said uh, she was shaking her head yesterday but I looked it up on the internet and one of the, the things it said was it's common if they have like ear mites or they have an ear infection and they're shaking their head a lot Uh, that it'll do that it, like the uh, breaks a blood vessel sometimes in between the their ears and i guess almost like a cauliflower ear kind of a thing i'm gonna sneeze <coughs> <coughs> sorry about that and um so anyway i'm trying to get her better she's in there laying on the couch and um you know trying to you know rest in a little bit and uh um, other than that, uh, even though it was really cold today, my mom said that it, it's supposed to get up to like sixty degrees today. And I actually bit the side of my tongue, so if I sound like I'm like her ears are swollen up and like my tongue, I, I bit the side of my tongue. I can't remember what I was eating uh, last night, and uh, I think it was I got some of those. Um, they're gluten free, but they're. Um, like soy, uh, Italian sausage. And I just eat them like a hot dog on gluten-free bread with some, uh, you know, either ketchup and mustard or both on it. And, uh, I bit the end, but bit my fucking tongue. That means I need to lose weight because then my cheeks are getting too fat. Um, (laughs) um, other than that, it's not too much going on. I read a, um, I didn't bring the, uh, my iPad in here. So, but, uh, I read a, uh, Roy Thomas. Um, it was like, I guess like a reprint of, uh, Red Sonia comic book that I got on iTunes, um, last night. I know that, um, not, I, I'm trying to think it was an image. I think it's Mirage, uh, comics, um, were were doing new adventures of red sonia and at one time i know that uh dark horse i believe had conan the barbarian and then cuz if you get on like uh things from another world and you looked at the uh the uh back stock they have like old stuff that you can go back and buy they have had a lot of conan the barbarian from like dark horse and Uh, again Star Wars I talked about that they had had it at one time but then the rights switched back over for Conan the Barbarian to Marvel and now he's in the Dark Avengers he went through I don't know if it's like a time portal or whatever but he's in the is is it the Dark Avengers I think Uh, and he's in there with Wolverine and uh, I don't know who else but anyway um, and Star Wars reverted back to Marvel which I've talked about before on the show but uh red Sonia, i was kind of just for some reason i i i don't know why i joined some groups i think i saw some artwork for red Sonia, and um i just joined some you know fan groups on facebook for red Sonia, and um so i was going to try and find some of those old you know, back issues and stuff. This was only like ninety nine cents, but again, it was a it was a reprint uh, of digital co- digital comic reprint of an old, I think an old story with Red Sonia, and I read that. It was pretty good. Um, I would like to get like an omnibus or something. Of uh, you know, there's there's probably so many. Um, stories and everything that there would be more than one, but you know, those are usually good. I don't care about, you know, really collecting or trying to make money or anything like that. So, I'm just in it for the story. So, even if it's a black and white, I have several of those black and white omnibus of uh, like Fantastic Four. And um, I'm trying to think what other ones, but they're still, I mean, you know, just getting to read the story and, you know, see the artwork and everything. Um, So, I was kind of looking into maybe starting to read some of the Conan the Barbarian and uh, Red Sonya. Um, I don't know, maybe John Carter, but I, I I remember when it was with Marvel, and I had uh, one or two issues of that way back in the day when I was a kid, I think, and um, it was pretty good. But I'm s- more specifically Conan and um, and Red Sonia that I'm you know kind of looking at, and I'm really bad about if I have a book that's like a hard copy. You know, I have a lot of books and if I have that hard copy, no matter how long I have that book, even if I've read it, even if I've read some of it or I haven't read it at all, it's there and I can just grab it and you know fill the tub up full of hot water or whatever and start reading and get back you know into it or reread or read it for the first time or whatever digital digital books and digital comics i'm really bad about i'll i'll find something and i'll get it and then i just forget about it because it's all on that tablet and it's all and there's so much other stuff that i'm doing that i um i just forget about it and i've got several books whether they're wrestling whether they're comic books whether they're just regular books uh and I'll I'll be like shit man that's on you know I still have that and I haven't even looked at it or I've only read just a little bit of it. Um Loaf had you know turned me on to some some Hellboy and BPRD um downloads and stuff like that and um I was pretty good about because I mean I was really into uh BPRD uh big time and so i was and and the hellboy and i was just devouring that stuff even though it was digital i was reading a lot of that and um i found i'm trying to think what the one uh there's one um digital comic and i can't remember what it's called Um but it's basically kind of like a steampunk kind of a thing with um I think like almost like a a robot, uh, an an American like robot soldier and it's kind of funny and he goes and you know kicks Nazis asses and stuff like that and I can't remember what it was but I found that and it was free and then um, the other day I found a I think it was 19 maybe 92 Fantastic Four uh, cartoon. Uh, that somebody has on a website and it's got every episode and I started watching I just I only watched one episode but I thought it was really good um, it had Silver Surfer and Dr. Doom and uh, um, but I didn't watch that when it was on I don't think if I did I'm, I maybe watched uh, a couple of episodes I don't even remember watching any of them and so I found that and I'm like man this is really good so I, uh, you know want to watch that too and then a co-worker yesterday uh, got me to st- uh, get on TikTok. And Jesus H. Christ, talk about something that's addictive. I got on there and just flipping. And of course, each clip is maybe... I don't even know a minute long or something like that, or uh, not even two minutes, I don't think, but there are some of the funniest shit and it just becomes addictive. I, I, my interest on there when I put down interest were like animals, uh and um comedy and i think that's a you know there was a couple other things but those are the funny things are the main things that come up and then uh stuff with, about animals and some of the animal stuff is funnier than hell too and then i'm just sitting there flipping and laughing my ass off to some of them till i almost fucking cry that some of the shit's so funny and uh that's you know probably a complete waste of time but if it's making you especially with this covid thing where you're stuck at home you know and i'm here with mary and that's about it uh you know anything that makes you laugh uh is not a bad thing so anyway but i uh, i can't say i haven't found time to watch movies because uh i did watch a whole shitload of them and hopefully if it warms up today before i have to go to sleep i'm going to uh go down and start the motorcycle up and maybe go ride for about an hour or so. And, um, and, uh, for one thing, just to, uh, keep it running. So the battery doesn't go dead. And then also if it's going to start getting cold, like it's been getting, I need to put the battery tender up to it. So the battery doesn't go dead. And I've been looking at, um, some new cars to, you know, thinking about trading and, uh, motorcycles and stuff like that. Um, it's just a, the car thing is a big commitment. Um, and I'll see like SUVs or pickup trucks and I'm like, Oh, I'd like to have that. I'd like to have that. And then I'll start reading reviews and I'll talk myself out of it. And if I look long enough, I'll always talk myself out of it. But, uh, my car right now has 65,000 miles on it, which isn't a lot. I mean, usually I, I, run them until I have to trade them when they start breaking down and they get like over a hundred thousand miles. Uh, but you know, I was thinking, okay, I'm at a break, not a make or break thing, but kind of a, uh, a deal where I don't have that many miles on it. If I keep going, then I'm not going to get anything for it. If I do trade it, uh, but if I trade it now, I'll be able to get something for it. So I'll be able to get something a little bit nicer, uh, that maybe costs a little bit more, but you're going to be taking, you know, ten, twelve thousand $12,000 off the top of the, whatever the price is and buy that's what they're going to give you on a trade-in and I think the last time when I traded this little jeep I had uh I, r- I ran that thing so much and it was the base model it didn't even have electric windows it still had the roll-up windows and I told him when I went in there I said I want the cheapest uh the the cheapest jeep that you have that is um all wheel drive, four wheel drive, all wheel drive, and I and that's it. I don't care what it has on as long as it has air conditioning and a fucking AM/FM radio, you know. And uh, so it was the cheapest one. So I, I think I got like two thousand dollars for it, if that. I don't. I can't remember if I got that much. I think I might have gotten two thousand. And uh, but so to be able to get, uh, you know, some more and before mine starts giving me trouble or the, the other way to go is to keep it and just keep running it i'm it's covid and i'm not going anywhere i go to the store on the some and then i go to work maybe once or twice a week if that or once or twice every two weeks so i'm not driving it anywhere so why you know buy a new car so anyway but it's just something to look at and something to think about and everything um The election happened and all that shit. Um, I'm going to pause for a second because I'm going to do what I did last time and put a pillow behind me uh, to make it a little bit more comfortable so I can keep going. But the election is uh, supposedly over, even though they're still trying to, uh, you know, work some machinations to call into question what happened or, you know, to recount and everything, and they're getting... Most of the lawsuits and stuff rejected. They're recounting and it's not doing anything, um, you know, to change anything. Um, I am glad that that is over, but I don't feel like it's really over until, you know, the 20th or whatever of January when things have switched. And then you still have the. partisan shit that's going to go on like when um obama took office and mcconnell had a meeting with the you know republican uh, senators and the house and everything and said his goal was to you know stop him stop him from doing anything and to make his uh so he wouldn't get a second term and to make his first his first and only term a total failure and if they do that, you know, it's going to be it's going to suck, especially after all the shit that we've been going through um, until you get some of those old fuckheads out of there. It's just, um, it, you know, it's it's not good for the country, you know. So anyway, but I'm, I'm kind of, you know, like I said, it's kind of like a sigh of relief. But I just feel like that there are some people that are more. Um, they're more they're so corrupt. And they're all about uh, party, their party, instead of about the country and what's good for people. I mean, it's like my state here; um, it's poor as shit. And you know, you're driving around and you're seeing, you know, these uh, signs and stuff up in people's yards, and it's like you, you fucking are voting for these people. And look how you're living. You know, there's no jobs and, and nobody's even trying to, you know, help you out or anything. And and yet you still will vote for the same fucking people all the time. But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, that's, that's their business and everybody can vote for whoever they want. I think it was much better before social media when... Um, um, you know, the, the generations, like my parents' generations and generations before that, where they would say, you know, you don't talk about money. You don't talk about money. You don't talk about sex, religion, or politics. And I knew people that wouldn't even, you know, they would never say, uh, like, you know, when somebody said, you know, well, how much, how much was your paycheck or whatever? And they would never say, or, or, uh, you know, who'd you vote for? They, they just wouldn't tell you. They'd say, you know, uh, you know, I voted for who I thought was the best, you know, and cause it, it is, it's and the uh, same thing with religion. You're just not gonna, you're not going to do anything, but start an argument. And, uh, you're and f- most of the time, if somebody has certain religious values or political values or something like that, you're not going to change their mind. Uh, it has, it's almost like drug addiction, um, you can tell somebody who's uh, addicted to alcohol or drugs, you know, why they're screwing up their life and that they have, you know, a lot to, to live for and this and that and everything, and that, and that it's only messing them up. And they can sit there and listen and listen and listen and say, Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But until they come to it themselves, um, you know, no matter what you say, it's not going to do any good. Um, and I—that's th- kind of how I feel. It's almost like they can sit there and and you can give them, you know, two plus two is four, and they'll say, yeah, yeah, I know, two plus two is four, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, they they still think, you know, two plus two is five or six. Or somebody told them that maybe it's not four. You know, can you land on a fraction like Dennis Hopper with the? Uh, Oh, Jesus Christ, where he's like, you know, fractions, fractions. When you land on the the moon, did you land on a fraction? But, but, you know, he was a little bit fucked up anyway. He landed on a big pile of cocaine. And hallucinogens. um, Peyote and all that crap. Uh, But anyway, let's get down to um, talking about some movies. Um, One thing that I found about IMDb that is really fucking weird... Is, um, I actually had a porn review and, uh, I have looked up some, you know, adult film stars on IMDb, you know, especially sort of like the older ones, you know, from the 80s and 90s or whatever. And, uh, if, if it was a, you know, a, a, um, well, I shouldn't even say, cause some of them, like, if you look up Tracy Lord's filmography and you go all the way back to when she first started, and of course she was underage and everything, I mean, they'll even have, a... Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know if I would call them loops or, but maybe they called them short films or something, but it'll have it listed like that. Um, but, um, like, and I did run across, there is a Kay Parker, uh, documentary on Amazon prime and I haven't watched it yet. And basically I think it, uh, you know, talks about her when she, you know, of course her entire life when she's growing up and stuff and how she got into adult films and everything and then the whole taboo uh, uh, craze and then um, what she did after her career was over like that and then I think she's like a holistic medicine uh, proponent and I remember Seika saying something I think in her book her biography you know because she really liked her like Kay Parker and thought she was you know just a you know, a really nice woman and everything. But she said she is a little bit wacky with, uh, some of this holistic stuff. And I think she became, she's kind of got maybe re, uh, religious or something. But so anyway, I'd like to watch that. Cause I mean, you know, I'm kind of, I, even the newer ones like that they have on Netflix, like, uh, uh, they're called after after porn or something like that, where they talk to like Nina Hartley and these different ones, like um, movie stars or John Leslie or um, you know whoever Harry Reams. Yeah, I think he's dead. Uh, but they talk to them. It's interesting because they are you know they're human beings, and that and some of them. I mean, say like. Um, I'm, t- I'm just trying to think of somebody. But I, I just want to say like Ginger Lynn or something like that. Uh, but it's maybe not a good example because she... Well, she didn't make like a couple years, but she might have fucking 100 fucking movies, but they were only done in, you know, a year or maybe, you know, within a two-year time period or something like that. And then they move on and they've got kids. And one thing that's interesting is um, is finding out how they get back, you know, uh, kind of re-assimilate or not re-assimilate, but assimilate back into regular society. Some of them, some of them do and they do it for a while and then they end up going back. Um, and of course, you know, some of them end up, uh, have passed away, uh, from, you know, just natural causes. Some of them, but you know, with some of them drug addiction and things like that, suicide, um, but also how their families reacted and I one thing I find interesting is whether it's a man or a, a woman that was in adult films is when they have kids afterwards and they get married and they have a family and if their husband knew before or if he was involved with, if he wasn't involved in their previous life uh, and like you know them taking their kids to school and they become like a a um, um, you know, suburban housewife or whatever, and then um, there are you know some that had had have had a you know big problem with that. There's some of them that just disappeared off the planet Earth, and you know you find out uh, that they were really famous, but you know of course that the name that they used, their screen name, was a fake name, and they just disappeared. You know, nobody heard from them again. Um, I think, uh, and then like that that uh, one woman serena she was back in i think like the 70s and early, early very early 80s and i i believe she at one time was a uh, a girlfriend of jamie gillis and uh she's out in like san francisco which was a big place that's where you know Marilyn chambers and a lot of them lived and uh, were out there with you know the free spirits free love free sex and everything drugs and everything and uh, I think she was on Facebook or MySpace or something like that. And she has she had like a fan page, but then she had her thing for just her real friends. And she's kind of a hippie and kind of, a you know, oddball, kind of a, you know, older lady now, probably in her 70s now, I would think. And uh, uh, but, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, um, some of the stuff that's going on there. But what, what I was going to say was I watched this uh, movie. I hadn't seen it. I saw it at the drive-in when i was first learning how to drive i believe let me look and see what the date is on this okay yeah because um i graduated in 84 and uh this movie was made in 81 and we had a a drive-in that was um i lived right on the ohio river on the west virginia side and of course you know we went right across the bridge there was nothing in our little town you know except the park and you know uh, high school sports and stuff and little you know like dairy mart or little uh, convenience store mom and pop convenience store and a, a pharmacy you know where you could get comic books and candy and you know soda and stuff like that um kind of like mayberry um But you would go across the river, across the bridge, and, you know, walk across there to, uh, or ride your bike, and then when you got to be able to drive, drive over there. And that's where they had most of the restaurants and stores and things like that that you would go to, and places, you know, you could go by magazines, movie theaters, and things like that. And they had a, um, and that was Marietta, Ohio, and uh, between... Marietta, Ohio and Belpre, Ohio, it went right. Everything went right along the river because, of course, that's where all the industry was. And uh, if there's like um, chemical plants or, uh, you know, uh, oil, uh, gas and oil places and stuff like that, they would bring this this uh, all this stuff down uh, on barges uh, on the river, on the Ohio River. And so everything uh, started along the river. Uh, and that's where most of the town started and then as things progressed of course the the areas down right on the river became you know more run down in the older places and and then everything kind of started moving away the nicer newer houses got further and further away and everything but they had a drive-in between Marietta Ohio and Belpery Ohio called the um Oh shit. Of course I'm driving. Uh, uh there's one, there was a drive in in Belpre called the Belpre open air and then, uh, Riverside drive in and Riverside drive in. I saw like Bronco Billy there. I know my sister and I went to see Bronco Billy and we thought it was like one of the worst fucking movies we had ever seen. Cause you know, we like Clint Eastwood, but we were like, God, this sucks. We saw, um, Blade Runner there and Blade Runner. And I remember escape from New York, um, one of the bad things, and I like both of those movies, you know, I love both of those movies. But going to see a drive-in movie that where the movie is really dark and takes a lot of it takes place at night, it really sucks because you can't see as well as you can in an uh, indoor movie theater. Uh, so I remember when we went to see Blade Runner and when we went to see... Um, what was the other one blade runner and escape from new york uh they seemed really dark and there was times where you you couldn't tell as well what was going on also saw uh, at that movie theater texas chainsaw massacre uh for the first time and um but they also showed adult films uh and these were like you know not like what we have today on the internet and stuff where it's just like clips and things like that these were the uh you know 70s and early very early 80s and they would cut out like any real extreme close ups and any like the money shot and all that stuff uh, but I just remember seeing you know um, uh, they had this uh, th- these movies that were the, the theme of them was they would take one star and the whole movie would be based on that star. And it would be like deep inside, or either inside Seika or deep inside uh, Desiree Cousteau. Or uh, then there was the one, what was it? Um, Little Oral Annie Takes Manhattan. That was a good one. But uh, the one I remember seeing there was um, uh, Deep Inside Annie Sprinkle. And I think she's like, uh, became like kind of like a guru. I don't know if, it, if she has a podcast. I think even before podcasting, she maybe had her, like on the radio or something, or, she, or maybe she wrote stuff. I don't know. But she became kind of like this, um, sexual guru, you know, where she would say, you know, how to do this and how to, you know, please your man or how to please yourself or doing this or doing that. And Nina Hartley kind of started doing that when she got older, she put out some videos and stuff where it would be like, you know, how, uh, the, you know, the swinging lifestyle or how to have a threesome, you know, with your husband or, um, how to give a blow job, but you know, the whole video would be based on this, you know, that. And, uh, but I just remember when I went to see it for the when I saw this um, that I thought and I don't know maybe it's not as much but for some reason I thought she looked like Lily Tomlin when she was on Laugh-In except she has big boobs and you know I guess well Lily Tomlin I was going to say Lily Tomlin I think is a lesbian but of course Annie Sprinkle is you know bisexual and do anything but anyway so I watched this fucking movie Ex Hamster has all these old uh, adult films on there and the thing is uh, uh, some of them they're actually uh digitally remastering them and this was i think i can't even remember. i think it was in 4k um I know that they put out uh, Pretty Peaches, which I saw that one at the Riverside Drive-in. Um, they put Pretty Peaches out on Blu-ray uh, a couple of years ago, and I bought that. and It's it's you know it's a pretty funny movie, even though it's you know a, a, a quote unquote dirty movie. It actually it's like kind of like uh, the Burt Reynolds character in. Uh, Boogie Nights where I mean he was an actual it was he was an actual director they had a story and they had a script and everything and I mean it was like a major motion picture it was shot like that except it was you know had sex in it and so anyway I watched Deep Inside Annie Sprinkle and it was still you know it's entertaining you know of course it's a dirty movie and everything but uh, basically it's just each scene is her and she'll say something like you know uh, uh, about a certain sex act or a, like I said, like a threesome or um, uh, just with a woman or something. And then of course they would do like a scene where uh, they have something developed to where they just do that. But it was, you know, like I said, it's kind of entertaining. I was looking on here and uh, I haven't looked at the uh, cast list, but w- uh, the one thing that brought this up, hang on one second again, sneezing maybe. Um, I should hit pause, but um, I brought up all my IMDb with all the movies that I was going to talk about. And the last one, which when I put it in is going to be the first one I talk about, was Deep Inside Annie Sprinkle. And I typed it in IMDb search like four times. I even did the search for just titles and it didn't bring up anything. So then when I did a Google search and I put in deep inside Annie Sprinkle night and it says 1981, I put in a Google search and the first thing that pops up is an IMDB for that that has the whole cast and everything. Uh, Of course it has Annie Sprinkle in it as herself. Um, Some of these people I've never heard of most uh, this movie, almost everybody in it uh, with the exception of a couple people I've never even fucking heard of. Um, so, maybe I'm not a connoisseur. But it had Ron Jeremy in it. And he, this mu- I don't know if it was one of his first movies, but of course he was thin and he was in good shape. He, you know, had some muscle and stuff. And he was hairy, always hairy. Uh, but he had his hair cut really short, almost like um, Jesus Christ. Not a crew cut, but I mean, that short. It was super duper short. He had the mustache and everything. And he looks really. Like, he definitely was hired for, his, you know, his size and uh, whatever stamina, you know, that he had and his ability to, uh, you know, uh, have his uh, climax on cue because uh, he was not an attractive guy. Like I said, but he, I will say this, he was in, considering how he turned out when he got, you know, like now and he's on trial for, God, I can't remember, it's like, uh, sexual molestation and, uh, I don't know, white slavery. I can't remember, but there's a whole bunch of stuff. And he got really fat and gross and, and you know, let his hair, you know, grow out. He's almost got, like, Gene Simmons hair. But he would still do, like, movies sometimes. And he's got a huge fucking gut. And, you know, he just looks like shit. Um, but I was I was going down through here, I saw it says, um, uh, uh, as uh, – the uh, role that this person plays is uh, Bunny Hatton, H-A-T-T-O-N, and it says, you know, she plays herself, but the the person that is the, the actual actress is Misty Blue Sims, and Misty Blue Sims was uh, later on became a female professional wrestler, and I think she was like the world women's world heavyweight champion of like the national wrestling alliance uh, uh, during the eighties or something. And I had heard that she had made some uh, adult movies, at least one, because people on like these wrestling uh, message boards and stuff, if you say Misty blue Sims are like, Oh, who, you know, she made a dirty movie or whatever. And uh, she must have made uh, one or two of them because uh, she's in this one. And and when I was watching it, I didn't even realize who, who she was so th- or that it was her. Let's see what it says here. Uh, well, the first thing she was ever in a dirty movie was uh, adult film feature film was Deep Inside Annie Sprinkle, 1981. And then uh, let's see what else here. Erotic World of Angel Cash, uh, Consenting Adults, uh, Slit Skirts intimate realities alley cats the saga of the raging cow (laughs) burlex with a triple x she plays a mud wrestler in that Uh, and then uh down and dirty scooter trash then she was in awa wrestle rock i remember that that was you know of course wrestling in uh, awa vergonia's territory uh rights of passion uh and scooter trash again so she was in 10 different things, including the, and that one, the wrestle rock thing is, was a, uh, I think that was, it was a video, but I think it was from, uh, a, um, I don't even know if they had pay-per-view back then, but it was a big event, you know, like they have pay per view on like WrestleMania. So did not even realize that that was her. If I watch it, uh, you know, I didn't watch the whole thing through because it was you know, just like fast forwarding and shit. <laughs> but some of these people, I don't even, like I said, um, Colleen Anderson it says uh, as Heather Gordon or or Heather Gordon as Heather Young uh, guy with Annie and Sassy yeah there was a, a a girl in here named Sassy but I don't know who the fuck that was. Uh, let's see who else we got in here. See I mean these are some of these back then you know the people would just as this says Sasha and it's uh Sasha Jones or Sheila Jones uh bobby and then arm wrestler self self lee star again i don't even know who these people are i don't even see who, where it says sassy man yeah. they said her name and then it says sassy here but it doesn't say who sassy is so who gives a shit let's see if they have um, any anything here the plot keywords: anal sex, golden shower, lingerie, women on top, reverse cowgirl. I see. IMDb's getting a little bit risque, if you see what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, they don't have. I thought maybe they would have some interesting facts. Which you know, how interesting could you be? Let's see what it says about Annie Sprinkle uh let's see Annie Sprinkle was born Ellen F. Steinberg and she even says this at the beginning of this they have like a little biography at the beginning uh on July 23rd 1954 uh let's see in Philadelphia a self-described nice Jewish girl whose parents were academics she grew up in a greater Los Angeles area and was a bashful girl well into her teens um let's see, of her youth, and he said, I was not a sexual child, blah, 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 blah. This, this thing here, what it says, is almost like word for word what they were saying in um, at the beginning of that movie. Uh, she started out as a cashier in a porn theater. Uh, once she saw the film, for which uh, she sold tickets, she became curious of having sex on camera, blah, 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 blah. Uh... There's a whole bunch of shit here. I'm going to have to go back and read it. I didn't even know they had all this stuff because I never looked it up. So I'd be curious to see. For Annie Sprinkle, non-misogynistic pornography can be uh, a sex positive vehicle for banning shame and ignorance. Um, so she's all for, you know, you know, there's nothing wrong. And when Jesse Helms and uh, the uh, cons- conservative you know, Christian right were you know going on about you know trying to ban porn and everything like that uh, apparently she was uh, one of the ones that uh, spoke out ag- about it and everything um f- for it you know so um let's see and she's all about you know i think her th- her thing is like just uh you take uh, there's so much of a puritanical thing that uh, I guess like the pilgrims and stuff brought over in the re- and religion and everything. And people shouldn't be ashamed of their bodies and sex. They shouldn't be ashamed of sex and everything. So, And as long as it's, you know, two consenting people, you know, exploring and doing whatever they want uh, or, you know, three or four or 10 or whatever, as long as you're being safe and uh, everybody's respecting each other and not, you know, doing anything that somebody else doesn't want. Um, so that's interesting. Like I said, you know, it's it's a, a definitely an interesting uh, microcosm of society. You know, a counterculture or whatever. Uh, let's see what else we have. Well, the other thing I was going to talk about, besides Annie Sprinkle, was um, Gina Carano and um, Mandalorian. Uh, like, again, I think I said like the, on the last show that uh, that's a that's a, a series that I would really like to watch. I'm gonna wait and either wait for it to be on Netflix or Prime, or I'll just go ahead and buy the buy the see you know first two seasons or whatever on iTunes uh, because I'm sure I'd, I'd like it. I was always a Star Wars fan until you know George Lucas made the his prequels, and then after he got out of it, and they started making. Uh, you know, movies without him, uh, I actually like those. Um, but I was always a fan of Gina Carano. And, um, you know, I remember her in uh, MMA. And, uh, of course, she's, you know, an attractive woman. And um, she had some fights with uh, Chris Cyborg Santos, who is now Chris Cyborg. Uh, she got divorced. I can't remember what, um, I'd, I'd have to look it up. But anyway, Chris Cyborg was like a really kind of a steroidy looking woman. Um, and um, if Marvin Hagler was a his—I uh, was going to say Hispanic. If Mar- Marvin Hagler was a Latino uh, with uh, dreadlocks, uh, that's what Chris Cyborg kind of looks like. I think once she kind of got off the juice a little bit, because when they started uh, drug testing, um, which they, depending on what company you're working for, uh, when I used to watch the first UFCs, and then, of course, uh, Pride from Japan, And then, uh, you know, they weren't drug testing anybody. You could see like Mark Kerr and Mark Coleman and some of these guys, uh, Kevin Randleman, and uh, there was a lot of them. And you, you know, they were, they were all juiced to the gills. Not all of them, but, you know, there was a bunch of them that were. And, uh, so Chris Cyborg was too, but she was beating everybody. I mean, it was like a, it was almost like a man fighting women. And, um, so, Gina Carano was a really good, you know, she was a very good uh, mixed martial artist, uh, good, you know, puncher and kicker and everything. And um, she took on Chris Cyborg and, you know, she got beat um, and um, got beat up pretty good. Um, but then, and I have always said this whether it's Ronda Rousey or it's um, Gina Carano or Chris Cyborg or whoever, um, you know, or even the guys in uh, MMA. Uh, or boxing, or anything like that. You know, there's got to be a better way to make a living. If you can get in there and um, and um, you know make some good money, and then get out. Uh, you know, you just saw so so many uh, fighters for years in boxing uh, that just hung on for too long. Especially if they were success. Well, even if they weren't successful, some of the journeymen. Uh, the blows to the head, and then when you when you look at uh, MMA and people would say, well, you know, it's not as bad because you don't have the concussions like you did. Well, it hadn't been around that long, and so you don't know what's what uh, the effects are. Sure, with boxing, uh, you know, the majority of the punches or a great majority of them are right to the head, and, you know, even if it's not a knockout, uh, that's just, you know, punch after punch after punch to the head and your brain being shook shaken inside of its skull or your skull. And you would see all these boxers that would end up, you know, uh, punch drunk um, or, you know, they would call it punch drunk or, but now it, it's like CTE. These like guys like Joe Frazier and Ken Norton and, and uh, Muhammad Ali, all of, and they and they slur their words so bad you can't even hardly tell what they're saying and everything well with mma you have a lot of um you have sometimes vicious kicks right to the head you have punching to the head just like boxing and you have a lot of um suplexes and slams where people get slammed on top of their head or, you know, their head bounces off the, off the, uh, the ring. And, you know, and, and you have that in pro wrestling too. That's another thing where there's, especially with the way they wrestle today, uh, with all the parkour like moves and everything. And, uh, and people working what they call the strong style, uh, which is you work really what they call stiff, um, and with, uh, chops and, um, you know, uh, slams and stuff like that, where, um, you're making it look as real as possible. There's, there's certain wrestlers that grew up in and it depended on what area you worked in. I've heard that, uh, you know, they always call it a work because it's a predetermined match and it's almost like a dance and you're in there, uh, doing these moves and everything with the cooperation of your opponent. And, um, A lot of old school wrestlers would say that, you know, you're supposed to make it look as real as possible without actually hurting each other. So, you know, I I remember, uh, I think Mark Lewin, uh, his brother-in-law was um, an old wrestler named uh, Danny McShane, and he was the light heavyweight champion of the world in N.W.A., and he would hang a plate, like maybe like a, I don't know, if like a paper plate or a plate from a piece of string in a doorway. And he would practice throwing punches at that plate and coming as close as possible without moving the plate. So you want to come as close as possible without actually touching it. So then he would throw these punches in the ring right at a guy's face or at the guy's head or whatever, and he would never really hit him, but it was so close, and the guy would snap his head back. And then some guys put their hand up, and they're holding the guy by the hair to hold their head there so they can punch it, and they'll hit their thumb, uh, or they'll hit their own hand. That's like the headbutt. Andre the Giant or Bobo Brazil or whatever would put both hands on the guy's head, and then when he would do the headbutt, he wouldn't hit his head against the other guy's head. He would hit his own hand. So it's kind of like a sleight of hand kind of a thing. But then you had certain wrestlers that whether they were ex-football players or maybe bouncers or uh, just uh, athletes that were involved in contact sports that developed um, what they would call a um, strong style is what they call it in Japan, but a stiffer style style. Which is you hit uh, the person hard, but in safe places. So like Ric Flair would chop his thing was to chop the guy across the chest. Well, an open hand, a flat open hand, on somebody's chest. Uh, you know, you can do it really hard. And of course, especially if the guys are muscled up, like they have big mus- muscular, you know, chest or they're a great big guy and it makes a loud popping sound. And of course it stings, you know, it's like getting paddled when you were a little kid the first couple times, yeah, it stings, but then it eventually after the first couple times, it, it's not as bad. So, you know, you're actually hitting and the fans are saying, man, he really hit him. You could see the sweat flying off. You could see the big red marks on the guy's chest and some of them um they would uh to make a match look sp- a specific match in a time that it 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 meant something uh they would want to have blood and there weren't blood capsules there were actually really you know there's no way you could do a b- actual blood capsule unless it was like somehow in your mouth and you bit on it but they would take a little piece of a uh, razor blade, a little corner, and clip it off of a, a razor blade, and put tape around it. And they'd either keep it on their finger, covered in tape, or in the tape in their wrist, or in the in the in their between their cheek and gum in their mouth or in their tights. And if you got th- Bruno San Martino, they you know, throw him out of the ring and uh, the camera would be on the other side of the ring and he would be down on the, either with his head under the ring apron or down on the floor with it face down. And he would scratch his forehead with that little razor blade. And if you've ever cut your finger with a you know piece of razor uh, or a razor blade, you know how bad it bleeds. And when you're sweating and you're perspiring and all your pores are open, and and then a lot of times they would say that they if they knew they were going to do that, they would take an aspirin, which thins your blood, and maybe to have a couple of shots of brandy or something, which thins your blood. So it would just pour down over their face, and it gives you that effect. But another way to do that, other than the razor blade, if you wanted to really make it look real, was the guy would actually punch the other guy, and the other guy would know it was coming. Punch him uh right on the eyebrow, which if you watch boxing, even with boxing gloves on, guys get hit. And the majority of them, uh, if you're a boxer and you get cut, it's right on that eyebrow because it's a sharp bone, it's got an edge to it, and they would snap that that uh knuckle and some it would cut right open and they'd get blood that way. The fans and the crowd would look at it and say, Oh my god, look at that. So anyway, but with Gina Carano and these other ones, uh, and you see some of these MMA people, um, and I hate to say just with women because it sounds sexist, but if you're an attractive woman, uh, again, I would think there's got to be a better way to make a living. Uh, and I say that about everybody, men or women, than, than getting brain damage. Uh, it almost goes back to Roman gladiator kind of times where uh, you know you're you're actually physically hurting somebody else and or getting hurt yourself for money and for the fans and that goes for football too you know you see all these people they put so many pads on and the helmets are so hard and everything and these guys are still getting concussions and and uh, developing cte which you know god it can make you go nuts uh you know you get brain damage and um but gina carano is a good-looking woman has a you know really nice looking face and everything and so so ronda rousey's good-looking woman nice figure and and uh, there's a, there's several of them like that um and uh she decided to get out of mma and she got into movies and um I think she was on maybe... I'm trying to think if she was one of the... I think she was an American Gladiator at one time. And that was one of the first things she did. um, Because she's very athletic. And and the one thing I liked about her was... uh, With all the really... uh, Rail-thin... Model-looking, really skinny... uh, Women in action movies. Or in any movies. um, She is... Uh, you know has an athletic build um she's thicker she's uh you know bigger uh, like i said when she was in deadpool and she played um in deadpool not negasonic she was um oh angel dust um you know she really you can see her kicking some guy's ass you know and and she could really kick hard and everything but she's a she's a an impressive looking athletic looking woman and um, so when I saw her, I think the first thing maybe I saw her in was Haywire. Of course, I saw her in MMA, but then when I saw she was making movies and stuff, I wanted to watch some uh, you know movies with her in it. And uh, Haywire, uh, I thought was really good, and it was one of those ones where uh, Steven Soderbergh was the director, and he has been known to give um, unknown actresses or unknown in their in you know the certain type of field uh a shot at uh you know being the lead in a movie like he had sasha gray in uh the uh girlfriend experience and um uh, and um also i oh, know he wasn't the one that did rabid with uh, Marilyn chambers that was i'll be talking about that here in a little bit so anyway but anyway i thought that haywire was really good i liked that she you know they Brought her in. They didn't say, you know, get down to fucking uh, ninety-eight pounds and everything. So when she had a she had a really good fight scene with Michael Fassbender. This had a really great cast: um, Ewan McGregor, Michael Fassbender, uh, Channing Tatum, Michael Douglas, Antonio Banderas, um, uh, Bill Paxson, uh, Of course, Fassbender. And um, so I really like the cast. I really like the story and everything. And I thought she did a really good job. And, um, so then after that, of course, I was like, okay, I wonder if she's going to be in anything else. And she made several, um, well, like in, uh, Blood and Bone, she just had a small part in that. And that was a really good movie. I really liked it with Michael Jai White. Uh, but she, and bought the uh, uh professional wrestler and MMA guy Bob Sapp was in that too Kimbo Slice uh Gina Carano was in that but basically she just kind of came up to Michael Jai White and said you know uh you know here's my card she was flirting with him and said something about here's my card if if you want to call me or something so anyway it was a nice little little, little role there and they had uh several um um mma and martial arts guys ernest miller who was in uh wcw as ernest the cat miller uh maurice smith kimbo slice like i said before i'm trying to see if there's anybody else that i recognize in here but i thought that was a really good movie uh not because she was in it because her part was so small but michael jai white was great and i thought he should have i mean my god he could have had a he had a good career and it's still probably going on but you know he could really do the stuff he didn't have to have uh wires and everything anyway then she was in fast and furious 6 and that was uh okay i think that was the first one that had the rock in it and she was in on the rocks team uh he was hunting down uh vin diesel and paul walker and their gang um little bit bigger part and and that's a mainstream movie uh that was a successful of course that successful franchise i would i w- i don't really like that franchise that much because it's it's so uh over the top um you know it just it, it just goes so beyond it's almost like superhero ish and uh but they're supposed to just be regular people driving regular cars but they do stuff that's just so unbelievable and vin diesel's just i just don't like him that much um she was on the tv series almost human which i did not even know that uh that had carl urban and um i never saw it I remember that he was going to be in it, and I don't think it last. It maybe lasted one season, if that, and I think it got canceled. So I, w- I wouldn't mind maybe checking that out because I do like uh, Carl Urban. I don't know if there's anybody else in it that I know. Lily Taylor, I always like her. Uh, she's actually a really good actress. Um, but that's a TV show, and so Gina Carano. I don't know what she was, uh, what she did in that, or if she. It looks like she was only in it uh maybe one episode uh in the blood i believe i did see that let's see when her husband goes missing during a yeah i did see this one during a uh, caribbean vacation a woman sets off on her own to take down the men she thinks that are responsible that was straight to dvd and it was actually pretty good for an action movie and um again Uh, it had uh, uh, Cam Gigandet that's uh, the guy that played her husband I believe Uh, Danny Trejo, Luis Guzman uh, Treat Williams and I believe in that one I haven't seen it in a long time and I only saw it one time I think she was kind of like a uh, you know uh, maybe a soldier or something like that and of course then somebody you know something happens to her husband they go down and they're doing like zip lining you know where you ride the zip line and something happened where his broke or something and and then he got kidnapped and so she goes and you know tries to find him and everything for for a straight to dvd movie it was actually pretty good Um, and again that's another one where you know she was the star Uh, let's see Heist I think that one was with De Niro and Jeffrey Dean Morgan and uh, Dave Batista is also in that Um, Kate Bosworth Gina Carano Um, this one was again I think this one just was straight to um, DVD or digital download it's not bad but it's not great Um, it's um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan I think uh, he's robbing a Casino or something, and De Niro is the uh, guy who runs the casino, kind of like he was in um, um, the movie Casino. And Batista is a guy that Jeffrey D. Morgan has on his crew, and he's a little bit um, uh, kind of like a loose cannon, kind of a deal. It's not bad; it wasn't great, but again, that's another one that is definitely worth a watch. You could do you could do a lot worse, and I don't remember Gina. Caron. She oh, she, I remember she plays a cop. Um, they are on a bus, uh, and of course, um, have hostages and things like that. And I think she's a female cop that comes up and is like negotiating, trying to get the bad guys or, you know, sort of the good guys, um, off the bus. They're, they're stuck and trying to get away and, you know, clean or whatever. So, but like I said, that one's called, uh, the heist, uh, from 2015, De Niro cash and a paycheck. Uh, let's see what else we got here extraction did i see that one that is bruce willis i think i did see this a former cia operative is kidnapped by a group of terrorists uh, when his sons learn uh, there is no plan for a father to be saved uh, he launches his own rescue operation maybe i didn't see this i thought i did because there for a while i was always i i thought she was kind of hot and i liked her in action movies and stuff so i was looking for you know all her stuff I'm not sure if I've seen this one or not. It's got that Kellen Lutz, and he was in one of the Expendables. D.B. Sweeney. I can't vouch for it because, again, I don't even – I may have seen this, but, uh, God, I don't even – I can't recall when I was talking about uh, er, er, reading the synopsis. It doesn't ring a bell. So maybe I'll look that one up. It was 2015 also, which is when she made the one with uh, Gennaro and jeffrey d morgan then of course deadpool i mean to me gina carano if you're making a uh, an action movie there you need a uh, a woman whether it's a good good guy or bad guy good girl bad girl whatever woman bad woman uh, she's you know would be great to play in anything like that and also that has fight scenes in it and everything and also in um Uh, superhero movies because she has a certain gravitas and again compared to some other women that are actresses she's going to look a lot bigger and more intimidating so she can definitely play someone who is a badass you know um that can kick ass and she's I think she's pretty sexy. She was really good in Deadpool. Um, she was a you know the the heavies uh, main uh, like uh, lieutenant or you know second in command or whatever. But uh, kicks ass. Her fights with uh, Colossus was really funny and really good. Uh, Kickboxer Vengeance. I believe I saw this, and this one has Van Dam, but he's not the main guy. Uh, he is um does he play uh they have him of course on the box and everything but then when you watch the movie he's not like the uh um like the the main guy he's like mr miyagi he trains the main guy um and it's got george saint pierre who was a mma uh champion tj storm i've seen he might be a pro wrestler i think i've seen him Nah, he's a uh uh martial artist um course you know it's kickboxer movie um so you kind of know what you're gonna get dave batista plays tong po so i think he's kind of like a uh, almost like a bolo kind of a guy because dave well dave batista did have one mma fight he actually trained he wanted to try it he's only he, at the time i think he was like 40 years old but he did way better than uh um cm punk because batista is a huge guy and you know jacked and everything on roids and everything and so he won his mma fight And I think uh, Jack Swagger had one, and uh, he won his first fight. He's another, he's a WWF or WWE wrestler, and now he's in, I think, AEW but he won his first fight uh, pretty handily but then in the second fight i think he won but it was like a split decision and i saw his face he got beat up pretty good even though he won the fight it was really close i don't know if i've seen this one or not i i see van dam here in the picture of him but i think i may be thinking about a um i may have seen it i i just don't remember cuz at one time there van dam was making um, a lot of straight to DVD movies uh, where it's an older Van Dam and usually it's a uh, him uh, they have like a younger star as the lead guy and he's kind of like a an older veteran kind of a uh, guy who's either giving him advice or you know something like that um, I'm not sure if I've seen it or not because I don't really remember ah, I may have it's one of those ones like I said straight to DVD so I might just not remember it my memory is not as good as what it used to be scorched earth 2018 i don't even remember this so i know i haven't seen it a bounty hunter named attica gage tracks down criminals in a post-apocalyptic apocalyptic apocalyptic earth and that's gina carano let's see if there's anybody else in here that is dean jagger or is that gene dean (laughs) Jaeger? i want to say dean Jaeger, but it says dean jagger so i don't know if i know him at all uh, I don't think so let's go back and see if there's anybody else in there of course this looks straight to dvd and I haven't seen it um and it doesn't even have Bruce Willis or anybody like that in <laughs> her De Niro cashing a check it looks like she's the main person and it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's not made in some foreign country but I I shouldn't say that but you know it wouldn't surprise me what's it say here it rates at at a 4.5 and that's what that kickboxer movie rated as too but um not much information here no i was trying to see if it says where it was made so i can redeem myself for being uh not racist or anything let's see no uh film locations british columbia canada so i mean they went to canada it's a little cheaper up there from what i understand to make movies And then we go to Daughter of the Wolf. Now, this one, it shows up on Prime, but it's one you have to rent. And I know eventually it's going to be on Netflix or Prime for free you know, I shouldn't say for free. Cause you're playing, paying for Netflix and prime, but you know, you don't have to pay like $3 to watch it or whatever. Uh, military veteran hunts, uh, the men who kidnapped her son. And, uh, the reason that I thought I saw the, the trailer for this. And of course it looks like a straight to DVD, um, action movie. Uh, and she's the, she's the star. She's the main person, but Richard Dreyfuss is in it. And he is, I think the protagonist or the antagonist, um, and it's also rated r so it's probably going to have some uh some uh, nasty mean stuff in it uh richard dreyfus uh, maybe the only one in there that i know this one rates a five so uh, again a lot of these straight to dvd ones are you know about average again that's one i've been looking at and i've been wanting to watch and i just don't want to i don't want to pay for it unless it's uh 99 uh, i was gonna say unless it's a 99 cent rental on itunes but usually when they do that i'll pay the 99 cents and then like a fucking week later the son of a bitch is on uh, netflix for free madness in the method madness in the method That looks oh, okay i was gonna say that looks almost like a comedy uh jason muse or muse he's uh si- or no he's jay not silent bob uh, attempting method acting in order to gain more respect for himself in Hollywood, slowly descends into madness. Well, that looks like it could be interesting. Um, I thought maybe it was going to be like a movie. Well, it's got um, it's got uh, fucking Kevin Smith. So it's got Jay and Silent Bob. And does it have Treo in it? Let's see. Vinny Jones, of course, we all know who he is. Gina Carano, Kevin Smith, Danny Trejo, Stan Lee, uh, Terry Hatcher uh let's see so dean kane uh dean kane uh, T- and terry hatcher that's kind of cool um but i was going to say because kevin smith uh is uh in this um well uh jason muse uh actually is the director but uh with uh it's going to have a, f- a few people in it that are you know more i don't know if i'd say bigger stars but names where some of those you know like gina cron is the only one in it that's that i even know uh this was made in 2019 i'm not sure about it i haven't heard anything about it uh it's a re uh is a reunion between terry hatcher and dean kane on screen since lois and clark uh in the new adventures of superman they both appeared in super i remember they were on supergirl i remember him being on there i don't remember terry hatcher I haven't watched them all. I just was watching them as they go because I love Little Supergirl. She was so cute. Uh, and also the first collaboration between Stanley, Terry Hatcher, and Dean Kane. So I mean that might be worth checking out. These are these are movies that uh, again, like I said in the last episode, that I need to um, definitely you know write down and just go take a look at them and see you know that could be interesting. It sounds like a little interesting concept. Almost like. Um, joaquin phoenix when he was doing his method acting movie but it was you know all as they say in pro wrestling a work but then we get to the mandalorian and the one reason and i mean my god i've spent i've got all these movies to review and everything but uh uh which some people were looking forward to and i'll get to them but um the one thing was um i guess gina carano came out uh i'm not sure when but in the past uh few months or something like that and um and she is a big trumper uh and also someone said that she made some transphobic uh comments and i went to her um twitter page and she was talking about the the election and uh all this stuff about um um making sure uh, you know we need to have Voting reform, which I'm for voting reform, but my thing about voting reform is to get rid of the Electoral College. Uh, Whoever has the most votes uh, wins. And that's, you know, how every election works in the United States, except for the presidency. They have that old thing about um, the presidential election being with, you know, the Electoral College. And that's because back in the day, uh, you know, people had to ride horses all the way to Washington, D.C. or whatever. And um, we don't have that anymore. And also, I think that they should have uh, uh, Election Day on—it uh, should be a national holiday so everybody can go and vote. There should be more places to vote and not a concerted effort to make less and less places to vote, uh, which is what's happening every goddamn time. Um, and um, But her thing was the exact opposite— she was talking about uh, we need to uh, stamp out this voter fraud and everything. And, and when you talk to anybody and everybody that is involved in the election, including monitoring the election to make sure that there is no voter fraud, they say there is no voter fraud. You might have one or two people that they find in each state or whatever or a couple uh, that um, try something. It's an individual vote. But it's not like um, somebody trying to change votes on a massive scale to swing an election or whatever. And, but they're putting out that, um, that thing to say, oh, there's voter fraud everywhere. There's voter fraud everywhere. And then when they talk to the people in charge and the greater majority of those people are people from the current administration that work for the current administration monitoring that and they say there isn't any. So she's definitely, you know, a right winger and all this and that. And there are people that were going online saying that she should be taken off Mandalorian uh, and lose her job because of what she was saying. Now, I don't know if it's because of the Trump stuff. I don't think that anybody should lose their job because of that. I mean, of course, John Wayne and Charlton Heston and, you know, some of these guys that were doing all this shit, uh, you can vote for whoever you want to vote for. I think if you came out and said, you know, I'm voting for... uh, If they had a guy, if they had um, George Lincoln Rockwell uh, or David Duke running for president and you came out and said, I'm voting for George Lincoln Rockwell or I'm voting for David Duke because I am a member of the American Nazi party. I'm a member of the Ku Klux Klan and I believe what they believe. I, I'm, I believe that all Jews are, you know, the, the greatest evil on the planet earth and all this stuff. Or I, you know, if you're a Ku Klux Klan, whatever they believe and you espouse that then yes, uh, you're working for a, a company that is either a privately owned company or a publicly owned company that has uh shareholders and stockholders and stuff like that and if they want to say hey you know you're toast uh then that's fine now if they are saying that they think that she should be fired because she made transphobic or homophobic or whatever comments um that's kind of another matter even if you're saying okay i support president donald j trump and i voted for him and i support what he believes in blah 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 blah, and this and that um that's different than coming out and saying you know i think men should be men i think gay people and i'm not saying she said this i don't know what she said it's just somebody said that she made transphobic comments and um again (sighs) You have that what they call the cancel 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 culture, of people that say if you offend me, uh, or offend a certain uh, purity test that I have, that all people I think should believe what I believe, uh, you should lose your job. There's a thin line there. Uh, there's of course freedom of speech, but that's about the government uh, if the they, that's saying that she could say i don't like purple people and i think they're all evil and have horns growing out of their head and i don't think they should have sex with white people uh freedom of speech says the government can't go in and say you're fired for saying that you have to believe what we believe freedom of speech says she can say whatever she wants now freedom of speech doesn't say that that company that you work for can't fire you for saying that. So I don't, again, if it's uh, Trumpy stuff, just saying she supports him or she believes in what he believes and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I don't think that she should be fired for that. If she came out and said, um, you know, I hate all gay people. And I think that they should be put in ovens or whatever, or, or uh, I think men should be men and women should be women. And, um, I don't know. That's that when you, when you start a certain amount of bigotry, um, first of all, it's ignorant, but not only that you have, um, you know, you have people that you're, that, uh, you might be working for that have friends and relatives or they don't even have to have friends and relatives that are like that, but they, they it's, it's just, you know, I don't know. It's a thin line. I haven't seen the show and I, you know, I I still want to watch the show. And of course what I've talked about before about um, separating the artist from the, uh, the artist from the art. And again, I, still you know i think there was somebody on sylvan gold that said you know they are still think they don't care and they they're still thinking with their their uh man parts and everything hey i think she's i still think she's attractive i still like watching her her fight scenes and stuff like that and uh, action action movies and things like that and i wouldn't it's like charlton heston or john wayne you know uh it was like a white supremacist saying that a white man came over and took the land from the uh savage you know uh american indians and uh blah, 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 that he said in Playboy, and then all the shit with the uh, anti-communist um, stuff that he did where, you know, uh, you know, was like the poster boy for all that right-wing crap uh, and blackballing people and everything. Um, I still watch his movies. I still watch Charlton Heston's movies. You know, fuck, we even watched a goddamn um, Kurt Cameron movie. And uh, I'm trying to think, did we watch one with um, Kevin Sorbo? There was a Kevin Sorbo movie that was about, um, it was kind of, it, was, it just came out uh, a year or two ago or something like that, where the United States breaks down into civil war. It was kind of like, a, uh, what's the one that Dave Bautista was in, where they had like American Civil War, Uh, what the fuck was that called? Bushwick. And I think it was sort of like that, except it was that, uh, he, Kevin Sorbo, it was like a red Dawn, except it was the right wing Christian, uh, patriots fighting against the, uh, you know, probably left wing socialist commie, uh, you know transsexual uh whatever i don't know but anyway i actually thought about watching that and i think maybe loaf and i one time i know we did that kirk cameron christmas movie and i don't know if we did what we doubled that up with but we said we were going to actually review two movies that were kind of you know uh right-wing christian movies or whatever and we did do the kirk cameron i can't remember what the other one was um but anyway maybe i will review the uh the uh Kevin Sorbo movie. I think he's done a couple like that or a few of them like that, you know, because, uh, they don't, you know, that, that that's the one thing about the, uh, you know, the right wing kind of side of things like Tom Selleck is falls into that line of stuff. He's always been a Republican. Uh, he's definitely pro military and he's definitely pro gun and I'm not against anything like that. I think that, you know, like I said, I believe in sensible, um, gun control to a, a, a certain level. There's certain things that people don't need. And, uh, if you are a, uh, on the terrorist watch list or, you know, and that's even a fine line because what if they put you on the terrorist watch list and you're not a fucking terrorist, but they say I was, I've been watching some of those, um, uh, videos a lot of them actually on uh, youtube where people do uh first amendment audits and a guy was uh standing outside you know and their thing is to uh take their camera you know their phone camera or some kind of camera and they and they walk in public places on public sidewalk or go into public uh, taxpayer funded buildings in public areas and film and the law is as long you can film uh, or take pictures of anything that your eye can see. It's not illegal. It's a First Amendment right. It's freedom of the press, freedom of speech, and all this net. Well, today I was watching one before we went for our walk, and um, a guy and his son go around doing that, and um, they were outside the Federal Reserve. Well, of course, then they call security. Security guy comes out. Next thing you know, there's about, you know, four or five uh, local cops there, and They're asking what his name is, where he lives and everything. And he says, you know, I'm not, I didn't do anything. Uh, I'm not suspected of a crime. I didn't do anything. So I'm not answering questions. You know, it's not Nazi Germany where you have, you know, let me see your papers or whatever. And they would say, well, you know, we need to know your name because you're under suspicion. Well, and then he would say, well, uh, is suspicion a misdemeanor or a felony? You know, and it's not either. You can't just do that under suspicion. or. So anyway, his thing was, you know, I'm not going to give you my name because if I give you my name, you're saying, you know, about suspicion, you could possibly put me on a terrorist watch list. And then next thing you know, I have that, you know, hanging over my head, even though I haven't done anything. It's just that you think because I have a camera that I could be casing this place. And he said, I'm holding my camera up right out in plain view. If I was a terrorist casing the place, number one, Google uh, maps and everything, fly drones and have pictures of everything here way better than I could possibly have. Plus, I would have cameras that were hidden and I would try and do this on, you know, kind of a on the QT where you wouldn't even know I was casing the place or that I was taking pictures and doing all this. And, uh, but that's what I was going to say about gun control where you say, you know, if somebody's on a terrorist watch list, they should be, uh, not be able to purchase a gun. But then if they slap you with that, even though they, you didn't do anything, uh, just to fuck with you or whatever, or just because they think, you know, who knows what you're doing. Um, uh, then you can't buy a firearm, to go hunting or to shoot targets or for protection inside your house or whatever like that uh, And so th- again there's a fine line I uh, as far as um, my main thing is um, high capacity uh, yeah, you can um, a 223 rifle can come in or 5.56 not the s- exact same thing but you know kind of close some guns will shoot 223. And 5.56. Some of them will only shoot one or the other. They're that close. Uh, Same thing with a a 7.62 by, I think it's 37 and a 308 or whatever. Uh, But anyway. uh, But the main thing to me is capacity where you can, say, have a 30-round clip and Clip Magazine, you have people that fucking, you know, say, oh, you know, it's not a Clip, it's not a magazine, it's not a suppressor, it's a silencer, or vice versa, and everything. You know, they argue shit back and forth. But anyway, you have 30 rounds, and you can easily, you know, go through 30 rounds with a semi-automatic rifle, or one with a bump stock that will make it almost automatic, and, you know, spray, and shoot all these rounds, and then reload in, like, two seconds, and spray, you know, shoot off another 30, another 30, another 30, another 20, another whatever. So, you know, if they would regulate the capacity of these um, magazines to where, you know, you don't have that high capacity. I I don't have a problem with semi-automatic rifles because there are hunting rifles that are semi-automatic but uh, say like a Browning BAR or something like that, it's semi-automatic, but the, uh, the you know, magazine that it has in it might only be four rounds and then one in the, in the barrel. Uh, so you got five rounds there, maybe up to like 10 rounds or something like that, like a lot of semi-automatic pistols, uh, 10 rounds, six rounds, whatever. Uh, but then you have some that have 30 rounds you can just flip them in you know to shoot it all off flip another one in you know real quick and that's where you have the mass shootings where the guys can do the most damage whether it was just uh, I was just watching a documentary on um, iTunes or not iTunes but on Prime and it's about the um, first season of the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights hockey team which they created Uh, It was an expansion team. Uh, They wanted to have a hockey team in Las Vegas. And I think it was right around the time, almost, it was like a couple days. Maybe it was that night or it was a couple days after the guy went up in the Mandalay Bay uh, hotel, you know, busted out the window and they had the country music concert. And the guy just started shooting people. Killed like 58 people and wounded a whole fucking shitload of people. And he just, you know, he took a whole bunch of guns up uh, to his room and a whole bunch of ammo probably over so many days. I think the guy had lost, he was a compulsive gambler, and he thought he had a system, and he lost like a million dollars or something like that. I don't know if he was going out in a blaze of glory, and he thought, you know, I'm a loser, and I, I've, uh, I've, uh, I'm I've, I've, i going to just take all my money and just gamble. And, and then when there's no money left, I'm going to kill every, you know, go out and start shooting people. Didn't have a manifesto, right wing, left wing, didn't have anything. He was just a sorry son of a bitch. I don't know if he was mentally ill. Some They said on that thing that, uh, you know, maybe like narcissistic uh, kind of a a guy and everything. But anyway, he did so much damage. Uh, and they say about the bump stock, you know, of course, yeah, the bump stock let him rain down a whole bunch of rounds, almost like a, uh, a fully automatic rifle, but the bump stock... Does it uses the recoil to make you know help you you know pull the trigger faster, and um, it makes the gun a lot less accurate. But he was shooting fish in a barrel from elevated position that high up, and then there was just all of these people. Um, I think the crime scene they said was over like you know maybe like four square mile, three or four square miles, because there were so many people concentrated there. Like I said, he's just shooting fish in a barrel, so he didn't have to be that accurate. But if he would have just had an AR up there or, you know, a couple, maybe just one or he didn't want it to overheat. So he has another one or a couple of them. Um, he could have with, you know, when you're in the military, uh, they teach you to shoot, uh, either, you know, one round at a time or in, uh, you know, you never hardly ever would shoot fully automatic because it's not as accurate. Uh and so, you know, he he could have done a shitload of damage and probably been a lot more accurate if he had a a scope or whatever and was, you know, look at look at uh uh was it Charles, not Charles Charles Whitman, um, uh, you know, went up the Texas Tower and there's a good documentary about that that was just excellent where they used uh animation and stuff like that and talked to the people that were the survivors. Uh um but, uh, and Kurt Russell played him in the Deadly, Deadly Tower TV movie, uh, played, uh, Charles Whitman. Um, you know, he went up to the top of that tower and he had like a M1 carbine and, uh, you know, a, a like a high powered rifle with a scope and stuff like that. So, you know, he did a lot of damage too. Uh, again, it's a high capacity thing and it's somebody who's mentally ill. That's another thing when I'm talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, responsible gun reform uh, and responsible gun laws again uh if you beat your wife and you've been arrested for it if, if you are have violent felony convictions uh, i think it should be hard for you to buy a gun you should have to go on the street and buy a uh you know a black market gun or something like that uh rather than being able to go to cabela's or go to any of these places and just you know do a background check and they say oh you're okay you know so it's fine uh There are some people that think that everybody should be able to buy anything they want up to a bazooka or a goddamn grenade launcher and all this and that. Uh, Gina Carano, I don't think she should be fired. I think that she should watch uh, if she does have bigoted views towards people for their sexual preference or their sexual identity. uh, You know, hey, there's a lot of people that are bigoted against uh, racial uh certain uh, uh ethnic uh persuasions uh, against certain religions and everything say that uh, to your fucking uh, friends who are like-minded or that aren't going to uh, go to the press and turn you in or keep your fucking mouth shut um i will say this um I've always liked her and I've always looked for her in movies. And like I said, i am attracted to her, but I like her physicality and things like that. But when I saw some of the stuff that she said, and this is just me and this is just my opinion, even just the Trump stuff, it made me think less of her because to be honest with you, uh, even people that I know that I'm friends with or people that are in my family and things like that, uh, to support him knowing everything that he has done and said and how he has lived his life and the things that he's done since he's been in office and what a petulant child and, uh, almost like a fucking mentally ill, uh, narcissistic uh sexual predator and uh, fucking uh uh just a a, a, a greed driven uh self-obsessed piece of shit um it just you know if you sup- if you can support him uh you know, it make it it makes me think less of these people. I'm not going to argue with them uh, because, again, like I said about, about drug addiction, they have to come to that conclusion themselves. But if the guy was your fucking next door neighbor, or he was your school teacher, or he was your priest, or he was uh, somebody in your family and he acted like that, I mean, I, I just I. Uh, You know, just a repulsive human being and to make excuses for him because he greases things your way, whether it's uh, being anti-abortion or whatever. And he's only doing a lot of that stuff just to uh, pander to the right wing because, I mean, my God, the guy all his life, uh, you know, with the wives and the sleeping with this one and that one and porn stars and everything like that, uh, going on Howard Stern and bragging about all this, you know, sexual stuff and about his daughter and all this shit. You know, I find it hard to believe that suddenly he's a born again, you know, and that's the thing about being born again. You you can become born again whenever, you know, but, but uh, if he was, he sure as hell hasn't changed any way the ways that he acts so again Gina Carano I'll still watch her stuff uh even like Tom Selleck, I still like his movies. He's got a lot of charisma and things like that in TV shows. Uh, but there's always that thing hanging over his head. Charlton Heston worked, uh, marched for civil rights with uh, Marlon Brando and and uh, Sidney Poitier and uh, uh, fucking uh, Paul Newman and all these guys. And then he switched over and became right wing, uh, I think during maybe the Reagan years and stuff like that. And every time I see him, I think, you know, what a, what a you know, Uh, putts but what are you going to do so let's get into um some of the movies we got going on here uh that was a little commentary for about an hour and a half of different things Uh, uh i think uh uh rolf said something about um doing some uh, Walter Matthau filmography and stuff. We got a little short uh, Gina Carano filmography, which wasn't, ex- I, I don't know if I'd say it wasn't expected. I, I you know, w- did want to talk about that because I thought it was interesting, you know, the, the what they call the cancel culture and things like that. And people that deserve to maybe lose their jobs, but people that don't, uh, depending on your view of things. I mean, I'm sure there's right-wingers that think that whoever, you know, whether it's Miley Cyrus or, or um you know kevin smith i don't know i got hiccups now hang on talking too much talking too fast uh first movie i have down here um i got on uh, amazon prime and uh, again i'm working from home so i'm home all the time uh and um prime will show you they'll suggest movies and things like that but there's a lot of fucking movies on there that will never show up on your first page that will say you know we recommend this because you watch this we recommend here's your list of movies that you've picked uh we recommend these comedies we recommend these action movies and you'll see all those on there but there's a shitload of other movies on there if you just search them out like say maybe by um Like if you put in giallo or you put in um, vampires or you put in uh, um, Eurocrime or something like that, and then it'll start bringing things or certain actors, you know, um, uh Caroline Monroe or something like that you know you put her in and it'll bring up all these movies with her in it but then it'll do, it'll go off on movies that are kind of like the movies that she's in so you'll find a lot more that way and there's a lot of uh, older movies on there that i found that i was just like man uh you know i have either seen or heard about uh through gentleman's guide or outside the cinema or or um paleo cinema or whatever that, but I didn't rent them or I haven't seen them or I don't own them. And so I just kind of went on a fucking tear. <laughs> I watched uh, captain Kronos vampire Hunter uh, from 1974. And this was written and directed by uh, Brian Clemens. It stars Horst Horst Janssen, uh, John Carson, uh, Shane Bryant. Uh, of course, I just said Caroline Monroe um ian hendry i knew him from the hill uh with um sean connery uh let's see who else is in this anybody else i know uh i'm sure there's a lot of people in here probably that some of you know more than i do because you watch more euro crime or euro uh hammer movies and things like that um a master swordsman and former soldier and his hunchback assistant hunt vampires. I thought this was really good. I think I had seen parts of this or maybe I had seen all of it. I'm not sure a long time ago uh, when I was a kid. This was made 1974. It was probably on uh, Fritz the Night Owl's Chiller Theater because uh, I I think this was one of those ones that I I used to when I was a, definitely when I was a kid be afraid to watch horror movies, and uh, this was more it's a it's a horror movie but it's not really scary and it's kind of almost like a almost like a uh, what was the Robert E Howard. Um, god damn it let me look um not of course not conan um and not john carter it was the guy that was like almost like a fucking pilgrim <laughs> what the fuck was his name <laughs> okay i'll find it here in just a second i just found a uh, I think it's like a wiki thing for robert e howard um because there was an actual movie um, that had... Uh, Solomon Kane, And uh, that movie wasn't... It wasn't bad. It was one of those ones... That's one that uh, Gentleman's Guide... I think they watched... Uh, Will watched it at TIFF. And then it didn't come out for like five... They made it and they, they reviewed it. They showed it at TIFF and everything. But it didn't come out for like five fucking years or something. I mean, I think it came out in Europe. And uh, they weren't sure how they were going to market it or what they were going to do with it in the United States. And then they finally put it out on, um, like iTunes or something, maybe Netflix, which it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't great or anything. So maybe that's why, I mean, they, they thought it would be better than what it was. And it was just kind of, eh. uh, but that's who I was thinking about with captain Cronus was, um, goddamn, um, uh, Solomon Kane. um, Of course, Cronus, as I said in the synopsis, he is a a soldier who's kind of like a sort of... eh, I don't know if I would say he's a mercenary, um, but he... I guess he's sort of a gun for hire, because they don't have guns, they have swords and everything. But um, there's somebody that's going around and there's some mystical shit going on and they... like when a vampire sucks the blood out of somebody in the, you know, uh, the canon or whatever. And most of the movies is uh, it it either kills him or if he does it in such a way that he wants a slave or somebody like that, like a hot chick. They would, you know, like Dracula would turn those three women into, you know, kind of like his wives. He if he if he doesn't suck all if he sucks all their blood out, they're dead. Uh, They may come back as like a living dead kind of a person like almost like a zombie but then he can also turn you into a fucking vampire if he just drinks some of your blood um whereas in this one somebody's doing that uh, uh attacking people and of course they see that you know somebody has sucked the blood out of her but the people become old uh, like it's say it's a young girl and she's only like, you know, 14, 15 years old and the thing attacks them. And then when they find them and they roll them over that you expect to see that young, good looking girl. And it's like a fucking 70 year old woman. Uh, so Cronus comes and, um, he is trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. They give you some, uh, uh it, this sort of has a feel of horror and giallo, uh, where, you know they kind of give you red herrings and you don't know who who is doing it and uh there are people that are uh for their own um there's these other mercenaries and stuff it's almost like the three musketeers where uh cronus and his little hunchback helper are um you know trying to investigate and do like detective work and shit where and then there's these other mercenaries that uh come along and they're trying to uh you know, stop him and you, uh, Cronus is almost has the abilities of like, uh, Clint Eastwood in the uh, man with no name, you know, where, uh, uh, you don't see his skills, but his confidence is so great. And then when you see his skills, it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you don't know, fucked with the wrong person, but it's a pretty entertaining movie. I thought it was pretty good. It's it, like I said, not as much scary, um, as, um, Well, I guess it would be frightening depending on when you live, you know, like with some of the stuff we see now, and then you go back and watch some of these hammer movies and they don't seem scary at all. But if I, if you watch this back before there was Halloween and before there were movies like that, or, uh, uh, Friday the 13th or some of the horror movies you see today, which are, you know, way out there. Um, but it was pretty good. It was entertaining. I enjoyed it now. And, uh, Cronus, um, He does a lot of fucking with uh, Caroline Monroe. (laughs) He basically is just like, you know, I think she kind of adopts him and he kind of adopts her and they fuck a lot in hay and uh, in the horse barn and stuff. And people will come in and they're and they're laying there just got done, you know, banging the shit out of each other. And to be honest with you, you know, like uh, back when I was a little kid uh, and you know, there was a lot of people like this, you know, you didn't, there, there weren't a lot of people that had like fenced yards or anything. If you did have a dog, I would never do this now, but you know, you'd have a dog that either the dog would be inside or you had a dog house outside and the dog would be on a chain. And, uh, we had like a dog house and and you would put, uh, in the winter time and stuff, unless when it got really super duper cold, uh, we would bring our dog in and put him down in the basement and everything. But, you would the dog would be outside and and you had like a, a straw or hay and i think it was more like a bale of straw and you would fill the dog house or the dog box or whatever up full of uh of hay and they would go in and make their nest and everything and uh, that shit would be like itchy and dirty and they'd be everywhere so i i'll be honest with you you see all these movies where the guy where the the farm girl and the guy or whatever, they go into a barn and they fuck in the hay. I would think that would be fucking irritating as hell. Uh, it would be itchy and, you know, who knows what kind of bugs and stuff are in there. And then hay isn't just all soft grass. I mean, there's, you know, when they, when they uh, fucking put up that hay, I mean, there's stuff, there's briars and everything else in there, you know, they anything that's in that field, they fucking just, you know, get it up and put it in a big bale. But and I, you know, maybe people did fucking hay a lot. I don't know. I wouldn't want to fucking hay. I'd be afraid to get a bug up my fucking pee pee. <laughs> okay. Next thing I watched was Sunday in the country from 1974. And this was directed by John Trent, uh, written by Robert Maxwell. That's the screen po- uh, and John Trent, uh, the screenplay. What's this, uh, one more credit. I wonder if it was based on a novel. Uh, yeah uh, original story by David Maine I don't th- that doesn't mean anything to me uh, what did he do anything drill in down here a little bit I really don't need to uh, he did uh, adventures in rainbow country find the always oh, producer on that. in uh, I'll see Sunday in the country which is the one I'm going to talk about it seemed like a good idea at the time and find the lady with Anthony Newley, or no, Find the Lady is with John Candy. And the other one is Anthony Newley, Stephanie Powers, and Isaac Hayes. So I wonder if that was a uh, musical. What the hell is that? Never even heard of that. Let's see what this is. All. La Boot. This is a, an adventure. Sweeney, a divorced man, is willing to do anything, even kidnapping, to win back his wife. He stands a fair chance as ex-mates continue to sleep together. Despite the fact that she's, despite the fact that she's remarried, um, how far will he go to conquer his beloved once again? It's up to a team of New York cops to try and make sense of the crime. So apparently, maybe he kidnaps her and 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 they're. You know, he wants to get back to they're they're like fuck buddies, even though she's married, but then he kidnaps her. Anthony Newley. I remember he used to be like in a lot of musicals and beyond like dinosaur Shore in these shows singing. And I always thought he was kind of a douche. Uh Yvonne DiCarlo is also in that. John Candy. When was this made? Nineteen seventy-five. So that's early John Candy. Uh hmm. Isaac Hayes. He plays Moriarty. <laughs> Okay, I don't know why I think that's funny. I always think of Dr. Moriarty and Isaac Hayes' fucking uh, chef. Who is the man that would give his love for his brother, man? Chef, can you dig it? Damn right. Okay, so anyway, the movie I was talking about is um, Sunday in the Country, and it stars... I had seen the... um, uh, box cover art or movie poster for this, but I never watched it, so I didn't know anything about it. It stars Ernest Borgnine, Michael J. Pollard, Hollis McLaren. Now, that's a chick. She's the main girl. She's uh, Ernest Borgnine's, I think, niece or daughter in this. I can't remember if it was his daughter or niece. Um, and uh, like I said, Michael J. Pollard, he played, uh, I think he won an Oscar for playing C.W. Moss and Bonnie and Clyde with Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty denver no was it denver pile not denver denver pile yeah denver pile he was uncle jesse he was in that too um alex waxman i'm trying to think of anybody else it's a it's a small cast there's only uh, really about let's see one two three about five people and then some cops that come and go but the story here is um what i thought it was going to be like was almost like straw dogs And in a way, it sort of is. Um, You have a bank robbery, and these guys are, you know, there's three of them, and they're they're two old guys and Michael J. Pollard. Michael J. Pollard's kind of a psychopath. Ah, Dig it. And (laughs) and anyway, um, I was going to say Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Borgnine and his niece. Let's see. Is it his niece? Let me look here. Reclusive farmer blah 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 i don't want to read the synopsis because i actually kind of remember what happened in this one Uh, they seek refuge at the home of a reclusive farmer but he's prepared for her okay i think it's his niece or granddaughter maybe definitely not his daughter because she's too young and um she let's see here i wanted to look that girl up because i saw her and i thought she kind of looked familiar what else she? oh she was in atlantic city okay she played uh susan sarandon's uh sister in atlantic city with which had susan sarandon and burt lancaster and she's been acting still when was she born she's a canadian actress yeah i'm getting off in the weeds here again but uh, i wanted to see what she was in because she looked familiar to me sunday in the country was only the second thing she was in she was also on a tv show called police surgeon okay i i I, like i said i knew for atlantic city which was a really good movie uh the littlest hobo marion bridge i think i looked this up when i was watching the movie and i didn't uh recognize anything except atlantic city hunt for the btk killer and of course that was around 2005 so it's it's a lot you know she's a lot older then um anyway of the bank are on the run, and um, they're they're out in the country and um, ditch the car and everything. And Ernest Borgnine and his granddaughter um, live on this farm, and she takes care of him and everything. And um, he they have a, a guy that works there um, for them, kind of like their manservant. He's he's he almost looks like a big old wrestler, like. Uh, uh, Oh shit. What was his name? Cola Coriani and uh, the killing. Um, and he's like their, uh, Ernest Borgnine's helper on the farm helps him do all the, you know, handyman kind of stuff. Big, great, big guy. And, um, so B- Borgnine hears on the radio when, uh, Lucy or whatever her name is. Yeah. Lucy, when she goes out to the barn, they're having a problem with a cow that's pregnant. She goes out to the barn. hears on the radio that these three vicious killers, I guess they had killed some people robbing this bank. And, um, they're on the run and so you know they're out there in the middle of nowhere on a farm and so he's just kind of like well maybe i just in case maybe i better you know get the old shotgun down and he you know just loads it up and you know it's like what are the chances that they're going to come here but you know who knows you know why not you know be ready or whatever and so he does and then you know I know a lot of people haven't seen this. This is on Prime, um, so I don't want to give anything away. Other than that's that's just the 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 base the basics of it. Um, again, I thought it was going to be kind of like a Straw Dogs kind of a thing, you know, with a lot of um, stuff like that. But uh, and it is, but it has a different slant. And an interest, some interesting uh, ideas on how the story goes. Um, so anyway, I recommend it. I thought it was pretty good. So uh, and again, I wish I, I kind of wish I would have watched it a long time ago. I just never got a chance. Again, I found it on Prime. I, I, it's probably one of those ones that was kind of out of print for a while. But if you get a chance, if you have Amazon Prime, give give this one a look. It's pretty good um i watched child's play this was funny i don't know why i was uh i think it was maybe on netflix uh this is uh, of course chucky the doll uh from 1988 it was uh directed by tom holland and uh written by uh don mancini he did the screenplay and the story Catherine hicks chris sarandon who is from i think is he from parkersburg I know he's from, he might be from Huntington, West Virginia, Beckley, West Virginia. So he's a West Virginian just like me. But Beckley is, uh, it's over two hours from me. It's probably about two and a half, maybe three hours from where I live. But again, you know, the, living in a small rural, uh, uh, state, anytime you see somebody from, you know, that's from this, uh, from this area, uh, what's his name from Wise Blood is actually from West Virginia too, um. I think soupy sales is, is definitely from there or from here. Um, I believe that Brad Dorff is from West Virginia. Huntington. Yeah. He's from Huntington, which is a couple hours from here. And then the guy, I think that played the dad in breaking away with the cutters, the bicycle and all that stuff. Uh, I believe he's from Parkersburg, which is about seven miles from where I was from. And then there was a guy from, um, I think that was on day, maybe days of our lives. That was, uh, where's the at here? Not Jackie Earl, <laughs> Paul Dooley. Uh, Paul Dooley is from parkersburg west virginia yeah that's where we used to go i I said about marietta marietta had restaurants and some stores and stuff like that parkersburg was where the mall was and uh it it had maybe more stuff to do it was another big town which when i say town i mean if you're thinking about like toronto or new york or something you know uh, i lived in a little small town like mayberry and well no where i live now is even smaller than fucking mayberry on uh, fucking andy griffith uh, but um where i lived was a small town and then uh again uh parkersburg and marietta were the bigger towns that had like actually when i say something to do they had like bars and and uh like i said a mall and movie theaters and stores and stuff like that so um car dealerships restaurants and everything um so anyway another time i'm getting off the subject here chris sarandon he was in uh was it night um uh fright night he was in a lot of good stuff. He was in *Princess Bride*. He was the uh, asshole uh, uh, king or whatever that was trying to get the girl to marry him and everything. chris and he was also uh, uh Al Pacino's uh, uh, transsexual lover in *Dog Day Afternoon*. He's been in a lot of stuff, and Gina Carano probably would have hated that movie. <laughs> *Child's Play* is a hoot. Um, I really thought it was funny. Uh, it's not something that I think my sister rented this one time. She goes, let's let's rent this, and I was like, what the fuck? Is,? Or she she, uh, we went to the, to the video store when it was VHS, and we were in college, and uh, we were gonna I, I like I I'll pick out a movie, you pick out a movie, and she fucking picked out uh you know Chucky uh or child's play and it was funny we laughed at it then it's a it's a horror movie but it's it's you know this fucking doll and and you can't take it that seriously and it's it's just fucking entertaining to watch jack colvin is in this and he was the um the uh journalist that was basically stalking uh david banner in the incredible hulk tv show katherine hicks uh, Brad Dourif is actually in this. I, I don't know why I had to look up Wise Blood because he's actually in this fucking movie. Uh, but again, Chucky, uh, it's a fucking hoot. It's a hoot when that doll is like, "Yeah, fuck you, motherfucker," and stuff like that. You know, especially at first when you don't know that he's uh, uh the fucking uh, serial killer is, uh, which is Brad Dourif, I believe, is in is in fucking uh, in fucking uh, Chucky the doll. And then when he starts cussing and stuff and trying to kill people, it's pretty funny. Uh, so anyway, that was entertaining. No, definitely worth a watch. Uh, watch The Mad Monster from 1942. Uh, this is a cheapy horror movie um, directed by Sam Newfield. This one is on, I think, YouTube for free. Uh, it stars uh, Johnny Downs, George Zuko, uh, Ann Nagel. Uh, it's, again, like a B-movie horror movie. Not a lot of people in here you're going to recognize, but... When I see George Zuko, it reminds me of the only Zuko that I knew was, uh, We'll get some overhead lifters, and four barrel quads, oh yeah. Keep talking, we'll keep talking. Uh, that was uh, my rendition of a uh, oh, Grease Lightning. Go, 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 go. You're burning up the quarter mile. Grease Lightning, go, Grease Lightning. Uh, Danny Zuko from Greece which is, uh, we love that fucking movie. We went to see it at the theater and then we had a camp up in the mountains, uh, where, um, my parents and my uncle had a great big, uh, trailer up there. Camper. It was a big trailer. I mean, you know, this, uh, camper is like something to me, like a, when you say a caravan, a little small, uh, had, um, uh, my cousin had a camper And my two uncles had a small little caravan or campers at this little place up along the river up there. And we'd go up and go fishing, swimming, uh, ride bikes and stuff like that when we were little kids. Of course, you didn't want to. Man, my dad then would drag us up there. We wanted to stay home, watch TV and do whatever we wanted to do. And up there, there was no TV. There was no, you know. But, you know, you made the best of it. Uh, But um, the fuck was I talking (laughs) about? Danny Zuko. Oh, well, if you went up there and, it, and uh, there was a couple times we went up there and it just poured down the rain like all day long. Uh, if you're up there for the weekend for two days and it just pours down the rain the one day, well, they had a little movie theater and we drove down off the mountain into town and we went to see Greece. But I think we had maybe seen it before and we loved that fucking movie had the album and everything. And we knew all the songs on it would sing all the songs. And you know, when you're a little kid and you're like, okay, I'm going to be Kenickie and you're going to be, you know, fucking Rizzo or Danny Zuko and uh uh whatever you know so anyway that was always funny um this one is basically a mad scientist kind of a thing you didn't people didn't know he was a mad scientist i think his daughter was there with him helping him and everything but he had a guy that was kind of like a dim-witted he almost looked like a shemp howard except a little bit bigger uh and he was like his uh helper almost sort of like igor in the uh laboratory but not you know uh evil or anything he was just kind of like a sort of like a dim-witted guy uh and the um the doctor or the scientist he was doing experiments on him but the guy was so slow that he didn't really know he would uh strap him down to this table he'd he'd say like you know okay you need to lay down on the table again well do you have to almost like lenny and uh was it lenny in uh of mice and men the one that had the mouse and everything um but he would say something like you know uh do i have to let do you have to strap me down again you know he's kind of slow and but the doctor would strap him down and then he would give him something that would put make him unconscious so when the guy would wake up he wouldn't remember anything but while he was unconscious and he'd be like oh i feel pretty good you know he didn't know anything that was going on well the doctor was giving him injections and the guy of course the is called the mad monster he was giving him injections and the guy would turn into like a half man half uh beast uh sort of like almost like a wolfman uh, sort of a thing or uh i was gonna say well probably more like a wolfman i was gonna say like mr hyde but he really wasn't like uh Mr. Hyde was conscious and could talk. He was just a uh, a fucking uh, misogynistic, brutal, you know, guy or whatever. This guy becomes animal-like, and they have a I think a coyote in a cage inside the uh, um, inside the laboratory, and it's always in there, and it's like, ah, you know, everything <laughs> to to show you know. So I th- I think maybe he was getting some of the uh, serum or whatever from this coyote and turning the guy into like a man. Uh, Wolfman Beast, it was pretty good. All these movies like that, I like watching, even if they're B movies. You know, none of these are like um, Ed Wood. You know, the real Ed Wood, where he, you know, uh, props and stuff are falling over. They're not. They're not great, and you can tell they're a B movie. But they're, you know, they have a pretty coherent story, and everybody's trying to do their best. I think if something fell over or something like that, they didn't leave it in. I mean, they would actually redo. You know, uh, do another take i guess or whatever because it's nothing like that it's they're entertaining and you can find a lot of these old b movies no matter what genre they are on youtube for free uh next thing i watched was rabid which i kind of brought up there a little while ago it's uh actually david cronenberg and i was thinking for some reason uh when i said that um soda burr would take somebody from either another uh like a porn movie or a porn career or uh like gina carano from mma or something like that and uh make them the lead in a movie and man yeah, put good actors around them and everything but it was you know kind of taking a chance on somebody and but uh it, this movie actually wasn't uh soda it was david cronenberg and it's rabid from 1977 And the person that he took uh, and uh, he actually wrote and directed this, Cronenberg, uh, was Marilyn Chambers of uh, Behind the Green Door fame and um, also Insatiable was another of her big movies. And of course, you know, she was known as being the ivory snow um, girl before she started making before she made like Behind the Green Door uh, and she was actually on the cover of um, Ivory Snow holding a little baby, you know, like this uh, toilet paper or whatever uh, is so soft, you know, it's even for, you know, you use your baby, and she's, you know, a good-looking uh, young girl or whatever, and um, so then she got involved with the, what were the brothers' names, the, the Mitchell brothers, uh, who were played by Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez in the movie X-Rated, uh, about the Mitchell brothers, um, and if you've watched the documentary uh behind deep throat or whatever it was called uh, about the movie deep throat um around the same time that deep throat i think came out uh the other big x-rated movie that came out that went sort of mainstream you know if you watch um the movie the movie lovelace or the uh behind uh uh not behind the green door but uh um you know the story about um deep throat inside deep throat uh these movies came out before this most of the adult movies were like on loops and you could only watch them in dirty uh movie theaters uh, and um you know were on like super 8 or 16 millimeter or something like that so anyway deep throat uh came out and uh it kind of went mainstream and if you know you watch travis bickle in a uh, taxi driver where he takes uh um what's her name (laughs) oh shit Uh, (laughs) was it not Mariel Hemingway Uh, god damn it what's her Uh, fuck she was uh, always dating um, Peter Bogdanovich Uh, and was in last picture show and was in uh, whatchamacallit which is what I was trying to think of taxi driver um sybil shepherd who looked really good i mean she was really pretty um but anyway deep throat kind of was went mainstream and people would actually go and they had a premiere for it and everything and had linda lovelace there and uh you know uh people husbands and wives were going it wasn't just guys that were wearing raincoats uh jacking off in uh you know uh porno theaters and everything and behind the green door kind of was on that the heels of that the mitchell brothers did it and it kind of went down the same road i think where they made a lot of money off of it but the mafia made and the same thing with deep throat the mafia made a shitload of money off of it because they owned all the like uh you know porn theaters and stuff like that uh, across the country and distributing it plus then they would um uh, bootleg them and everything uh but so anyway marilyn chambers uh and and they really used that uh, i think she became a dancer in one of the mitchell brothers clubs there was a famous club in san francisco and it just closed down here uh within the past so many years and they would have um of course strippers and stuff there, but they would have like live sex shows and stuff. And it's just like a lot of people that were in porn that started out in... Um Uh, as uh, dancers, or they would see the ad for, you know, uh, models or whatever in the newspaper. And they might've just came on the bus from, from uh, Parkersburg, West Virginia and uh, showed up in uh, uh, LA or in San Francisco, or they went to San Francisco because it was a place of peace and love and everything. And they go out there and they don't have a job or whatever. And they see a thing in the paper and it says, you know, uh, we're looking for models. We'll pay good, good pay and everything. They go there. They pose naked next thing you know they they say well i can make this much money well you can make even more money if you burp in somebody's face no if you uh become a stripper and they go and do that and then they or they start doing you know adult movies and they think okay nobody's gonna know who i am i changed my name these are only shown like uh, loops uh which were just like short films or whatever and uh so anyway, Marilyn Chambers did that. And, uh, they really, when it, when the movie, you know, kind of went mainstream and it's one of the like legendary adult films with deep throat, those two, um, behind the green doors, what I'm talking about, um, uh, they really used the ivory snow thing, uh, that she had been the, um, uh, you know, on the, the, uh, package or whatever for ivory snow, uh, to promote the movie and oh look you know she was so wholesome and everything but you'll see her in this you know and and uh, also uh the Oakland Raiders football player Ben Davidson who was uh, in the AFL Oakland Raiders and then that when they had the first um, well the first Super Bowl was the um, Green Bay Packers against Kansas City Chiefs but the second Super Bowl which was AFL against NFL was the Packers against the Oakland Raiders and their big defensive end at the time was uh, Ben Davidson and he uh, was known as like uh, the dirtiest player in the AFL and also um, um, had a, he was really easy, you know, kind of marketable because um, he had a great big handlebar mustache. He was in Conan the Barbarian. He was one of Thulsa Doom's. uh, There was like two of the main henchmen, uh, that were when they would raid, falsedooms Doom's guys would raid, and one of them was, um, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's buddy. Um, God damn it. I can't think of what his name is now, because um, I know... Um, Jesus Christ. What's his name? not Franco Colombo. He was in it, but he was like a he was like a hound that went uh they used to uh sniff out the places. Uh it was the guy that fucking Al Gore always talks about and he's been in a whole bunch of Arnold's movies. And he is also he's not Swedish, is he? Motherfucker Oh, Sven Ole Thornson. Yeah, he's got to be Swedish, I would think, isn't he? Or uh, Denmark. Okay. So anyway, uh, there was two. Uh, the main henchman was Sven Oli, and the other one, the real tall one that had kind of like a beard, but he had a big mustache, was Ben Davidson, and he was in behind the green door. He wasn't. He wasn't like fucking anybody or anything. He was the bartender at the club that they they kind of basically kidnap uh, Marilyn Chambers' character and they take her to this club and I guess it's like a sex club and it's like the erotic awakening of her character. They take her in there and you know, she relents and then the next thing you know, she cause she's kind of like uh never done anything. And they, the, you know, like the, the, uh, like I said, the awakening of whoever, whatever her name was. And she does, you know, with girls and then a guy and then this and that, or they have an orgy and everything. Um, ben davidson was in a whole bunch of tv shows <laughs> and uh because i was looking at uh, he was also in necessary roughness uh, convict football player anyway uh bj and the bear whole bunch of stuff if you've seen him like most of you would know him from if you've seen behind the green door but also from conan um let's see rabid cronenberg this was pretty good the only thing i i, I guess it was different. Um, I thought it would have been maybe better if um, Marilyn Chambers and her boyfriend are riding a motorcycle and um, they get in a car wreck and she gets hurt really bad, gets like burns and stuff. So the closest place is this clinic. And they take her there and it's sort of like a, the bad monster kind of a thing there there's doctors there but there's a doctor that's kind of uh working on some kind of a treatment for skin grafts and it's uh, experimental he's never used it on anybody and she's got burns on her body and stuff so of course that gives you know it's Marilyn chambers she's been in porno movies and everything gives them an excuse to show her naked and her tits and everything uh and she always looked good. She was always fit, you know. Uh there was one point in time in her career in like adult films. And I remember I was in college at this time uh where she got like really ripped. Not like uh, big muscle bodybuilders, but like you could see her abs and stuff. And then like the the one vein that goes from your shoulder down to your elbow. And I was like, man, she must be like working out. And her boobs looked like she never had big boobs. She always had kind of small boobs, but they looked like they were even smaller. Like she was on some kind of diet, like which her diet was probably cocaine. <laughs> but it looked like she was doing, she, she got involved in some kind of because she really did. Almost like uh, the early woman bodybuilders before they did steroids, and they look kind of more like uh, a cross between gymnast and maybe uh, like some of those pole vaulter or track and field girls. You know, like the, like the women that were in um, personal. Women <laughs> started looking. Uh, gives her these skin grafts and this experimental treatment, and she starts almost having like a uh, vampiric urges. Um, again, the way that she, you know, they bite the person on the neck and suck their blood. Uh, they kind of have a different way, and it's 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 definitely creative and it's definitely different on how she. Uh, uh, I didn't like that as much because it just kind of seemed kind of so off the wall. I think it would have been better, you know, like the movie's called Rabid. And, and what's funny was uh, in um, World War Z, turn and, you know, become basically zombies before they would call them zombies they thought it was a uh, some kind of new strain of rabies and i thought you know maybe if they would have done that it would have been just kind of a zombie movie um but you know with rabies it's like okay if some then you have a chance Attack somebody and they basically turn. I think most of you have probably either seen this or know what it's about. Or it's kind of a basic horror movie, kind of a sort of a basic zombie, sort of vampire type kind of thing. All the other people, when they turn, they become like almost like a rabid or I, I, I undead kind of people, and if and they attack people and bite them. Her way of delivering the virus or whatever it is is just kind of out there and kind of different uh but it's pretty good uh Marilyn Chambers it's funny because um there's sometimes when you look at her and and she looks you know you're like oh she's not you know she's not a bad looking woman she's a good looking lady or whatever you know natural looking and everything not makeup or anything like that but then there's uh, she reminds me of a girl that I went to high school with but um There's like some times where she screams and stuff, and I'm like, "Uh," you know, she. It's like when somebody has a. They say they're a two face. Uh, and like on Jerry Seinfeld or whatever you know he had the girl that was a two-face and when he looked at her one way she looked really hot but then if she was in a certain lighting he'd she looked ugly and he was like she's a two-face uh, there was a few times in this when Marilyn Chambers screams and she and and like I guess because she kind of shows her teeth and she her nostrils flare and her mouth looks kind of big uh, and she and she doesn't look as good but anyway I had a her. <laughs> i remember watching her quite a few times in other films i wonder if she was in anything else other than this this was a mainstream film and of course like i said uh you know but behind the green door was a dirty movie i mean it was a um like i said it's like sasha gray uh, uh with uh soda burr he gave her a shot and everything but i don't think she may have been in a couple other movies where she was like small parts but nothing uh you know i think most of these after rabid like insatiable that was a adult movie it had a storyline and it was a like a you know full length f- movie and everything and and uh and uh, uh marilyn chambers was a singer a country music singer in this so i think they were trying to uh make her like uh, an actual show her talent and be a singer cuz they actually had a sequel to that which was insatiable too <laughs> but uh i remember insatiable and i remember um of course behind the green door insatiable and then she had these ones that were like uh Marilyn Chambers private fantasies and then she did the deal where she came back and she was probably like 50 years old and she kind of looked like shit and you know for a 50 year old woman or whatever she I guess she didn't look bad but when you knew her, you know you, you, uh, if she, I don't know uh, and she died. She had like an aneurysm or something and died f- relatively early. I was surprised when she died. Cause she, and, she, and she actually married, if you watch uh, the uh, Deep Throat, um, like I said, the the, the Lovelace movie uh, or the uh, documentary Deep Throat or read Marilyn Chambers, or, or not Marilyn Chambers, Linda Lovelace's book, you know, she said how oh, Chuck Trainer was, you know, beat and all this stuff and everything. Well, uh, Marilyn Chambers actually married Chuck Traynor uh, after he got divorced from Linda Lovelace and she never had any pro, but then again, you know, maybe she wasn't a victim, you know, and maybe it's, it's just because, you know, somebody, somebody, uh, he might've been all hopped up on Coke and beat the shit out of Linda Lovelace. And Linda Lovelace was, you know, uh, Maybe I, I'm not putting it off on her, but like I was going to say more, not, not a strong willed. And, you know, he was kind of more like a predator and a guy that's abusive, isn't going to, he might find a woman that he can abuse, uh, because she doesn't stand up to him or for whatever her psych psyche is or whatever. Uh, and he sees that and he preys on it and Marilyn Chambers might've been the kind of person that wouldn't put up with that shit or she never showed that she would or whatever. And so I don't know. It's, you know, you don't want to go either way by cause I, I remember Marilyn Chambers saying that Linda Lovelace's book was all bullshit because Chuck Trainer never beat her and everything, but you don't know, you know, you don't know the experience. And I think that there were actually people that, um, um, when they were making Chris Noth played the, uh, the uh, guy in um, Lovelace. And uh, was that Damiani Lovelace? Because I think it was a mainstream, uh, like a, an Italian director, and he also made porn movies, but he made them under a different name. And let's see, Chris Noth played him. But the, when they were making some of these adult movies, they heard... Um, Chuck Trainer beating the shit out of her. Like if they were in a hotel room. Uh, Anthony Romano is who they said it was. But let's see. Let's see if it says who's... Uh, Jerry uh, Damiano. Okay, yeah. Um, Jerry Damiano. So when, you know, like I said, when What's-Her-Name said that... Uh, no, wait, okay, that's somebody else. That's... Uh, Harry Reams, Chuck Traynor. Harry Reams was played by somebody else, and he died. Adam Brody. Wait a minute, I want to see who Chris Noth's character was, based on. I remember, I recognize the name, the da- Damiano name, but because uh, the guy Chris Noth played actually was one of the guys that helped her get away from chuck trainer he and he beat the shit out of it. him and uh, a couple of his guys beat the shit out of Chuck trainer and he beat him with a he he had these guys like hold chuck trainer down and and because uh, he would beat uh, linda lovelace and and uh, take his belt off and beat her with it and um i think that uh he actually uh when she left chuck trainer came to get her and he was gonna fucking beat the shit out of her and when he came in Chris Noth's character and two of his like bodyguards were there and they got him, they beat shit out of him, got him down. And, uh, Chris Noth, um, took his belt off and fucking blistered fucking Chuck trainer with it. Like, you know, he was beating a dog, which was fucking hilarious. It was great. Uh, God damn it. Deep throat. Okay. Now who did, who? Okay. Gerard Damiano, but I think that was who was. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> what's his name? Um, motherfucker, Gerard Damiano. I'm doing a show I need to speak Dumb fucker uh, anyway, so anyway, let's get off this. I, I again, down another rabbit hole and let me check and see the time here. I'm already on two hours and fucking 20 minutes and I got about a thousand fucking movies to do here. But anyway, uh, Lovelace love is a pretty good movie. It's not great or anything. I, um, it, it, I, I, I wish it would have been a little bit better. I mean, it was dark, but it, I don't know. I, I think it could have been better than what it was. Um, Peter Skarsgård played uh, Chuck truck trainer. They said, James Franco, uh, was up for that and uh, olivia wilde was up for uh and also kate hudson was up to play linda lovelace maybe uh let's see let's get out of here and let's let's go to some other movies that i watched i'm um, fucking like i said i start going down a rabbit hole and then it just extends everything which isn't bad i mean but uh you know i did have some good movies here i wanted to talk about Marilyn chambers so anyway rabid uh for an early movie um was that the first one that uh i don't think that was the first movie that uh what's his face did was it <laughs> what's his face david Cronenberg? no um well there's a short movie short 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 yeah Rabbit was i think the first maybe full length that wasn't tv or a short so okay uh but again that was it was a pretty good movie for uh, uh not having any that many like i said just Marilyn chambers basically maybe the only person i knew in it and um you know cronenberg's it just depends he's hit or miss for me like fast company was the william smith movie that loaf and i uh, uh reviewed about uh William Smith uh, being a funny car driver. It was sort of like something that Burt Reynolds would star in. Uh, it wasn't bad. I didn't like the brood. Scanners, I th- saw that uh, so long ago. Uh, I know it's kind of legendary. Uh, if uh, Like movies that I liked that he did, it was uh, like The Dead Zone. Uh, let's see if there's anything else here. See, there's a lot that I missed that he did because it's just not. He wasn't, he's not really my kind of Eastern Promises, of course. A Dangerous Method wasn't bad. Uh, that was uh, Bender and... Uh, um, not not you, McGregor, uh, Fassbender and uh, Vigo and uh, Kira Knightley. That's the one about um, Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung. Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting subject. Uh, but like I said, Eastern Promises, History of Violence. The, the newer ones are a Crash. Um, it was okay. I've seen it one time. I know it got like an Oscar, but it, I'm not sure it was uh, Oscar worthy. Um Spider, I didn't see that one. That's the one with um, what's his face? Um, Ray Fines. I didn't see that one, but it looked interesting about a guy who's like schizophrenia. Anyway, let's get off Cronenberg. Uh, Rabbids, pretty good movie. I had never seen it. Return of Dracula. This is a B-movie uh, from 1958, also on, I believe, YouTube. After uh, Vampire leaves his native Balkans, he murders a Czech artist, assumes his identity, and moves in with the dead man's American cousins. Again, a B-movie, Dracula movie. Um, you know, of course, Dracula takes place more back in, like I guess not Victorian times, but you know, uh, this, this actually, if it was made in 1958, it takes place in like 1958. So it's like Dracula comes over. And, um, it, it, like I said, it, it was funny because, uh, they think he is, uh, a, a relative from overseas and he shows up and he talks like these, you know, and it's like, but I know, you know, it's a movie and everything, but it's, it's again, just like the, um, uh, the other, uh, uh, Mad Monster movie, B movie, horror uh, movie—you could do worse. They're they're very entertaining and they're fun to watch. Uh, you 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 rarely have uh, mainstream uh, uh, actors, but they do a good job, and it's something that you would see as, as, as like a double feature back in the day. I think in the movie theaters, I, I would recommend this. It's it's again, it's sort of like the straight to DVD movies I was talking about that are kind of rate average, right? You know. Out of 10, maybe like a 5 or something like that. If it's a 6, you're like, God damn, that was pretty good. But uh, it's worth a watch, especially if you're, you know, like horror movies and, and the old stuff. I watched Phantasm for the first time, 1979. This was written and directed by Don Coscarelli. And I remember when I was in junior high, like some of my friends watching this and they were like, oh my God, you see Phantasm? Oh, you know, I, I Maybe at the movie theater over in Marietta. <clears throat> but I didn't watch it because I didn't like horror movies. And the one thing about that was when you're younger, um, number one, your imagination is a lot uh, more vivid. So it, it, it can seem a lot worse. And because I didn't watch horror movies, then when I would hear people talking about it and how scary it was and how bad it was and everything, then I would be like, it, it would build up in my mind. And I was like, I don't want to go see that. And, uh, but then you watch it now. And of course, you know, you're a grown adult, mature adult or whatever. And, uh, they don't seem scary at all, but they, it's entertaining. Uh, again, this one for me, I don't know that much about it other than seeing the trailer for it or the, um, the, um, on TV way back in the day. And like I said, 1979 when it was at the theater uh, and seeing the, uh, the, the tall man, uh, the uh, mortician or whatever, and the ball thing that goes flying around with the spikes. Um, I thought it was pretty entertaining. It seems kind of like low budgety. It has definitely a, uh, I I don't know if I would say a psychedelic kind of a thing, but a, uh, another like dimensional uh, uh, kind of a, a deal going on there um, almost reminded me of um, sh- well stranger stranger things is kind of like a lovecrafty kind of a thing uh, when I say that I kind of uh, mean like it, it probably has more that feel for me because of when it takes place this actually was made in 1979 and say stranger things takes place i think you know like in maybe like 1980 or or late 70s or something like that um that's probably why it reminds me of it. but it was entertaining again it's not great or anything uh uh i had heard so much about it uh and it's um i didn't find it to be scary at all i knew people that were like oh my god you know that uh i keep wanting to call him the tall man or whatever but the uh the the um caretaker uh, I could see where people would think he was scary, especially the atmosphere that they create. It's almost like a nightmarish kind of an atmosphere uh, and him walking around. And like I said, that little ball comes, you know, um, but uh, again, you have the, the uh, two brothers and that sort of was a, Uh, stranger things kind of a thing where you have like the young kid and all this stuff's going on and people you know aren't sure if they believe him and everything but uh you know it was it was like i said it was entertaining i'm glad i watched it and finally crossed it off the books Next thing I watched was another horror movie. So, I mean, you know, maybe I've watched so many other movies that I'm running out of options that I'm going to have to start getting into the horror thing. And, like I said, when somebody asked me what my favorite horror movies were or what ones I've watched, uh, I've watched a lot more than I thought I had. And a lot of those are older, like I said, B movie horror movies, hammer movies, or, uh, you know, older horror movies. But I have watched some, you know, like The Ring and Exorcist, Heretic. Uh, um, Exorcist Three, uh, The Omen, and things like that. Um, I like the ring. The ring was was kind of scary. Uh, House on Haunted Hill and things like that. I watched Sinister from 2012. I don't know why. I just thought, well, what the fuck? I'll put this on and just fucking watch the son of a bitch. Uh, written and directed by Scott Derrickson, uh, and I was surprised that um, I thought this would be like a whole bunch of people that I didn't fucking know. I knew it was a mainstream horror movie, so I shouldn't have been so surprised that it actually had a you know big name actor in it, which was Ethan Hawke. Uh, he's a pretty good actor, you know. In you know, most of the stuff he's in. Um, this was okay. It wasn't great. It, it sort of reminded me of, um, Oh, uh, those movies like with Patrick Wilson in it where they kind of have like an exorcism or whatever. Or they go into a house and blah, 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 blah. And there's there's something in there or something scary or, you know, there's like a demon or, or something like that. Again, another dimension and stuff. But this this was kind of went along those lines. I feel like I'm fucking racing talking real fast. But again, trying to get this done. Uh, it's about uh, getting close to 1230 and I got to go to sleep because I got to work tonight. And I jibber jabbered too much about Gina Carano and uh, porno movies and stuff like that. Anyway, sinister. You could do worse. It wasn't that uh, wasn't that great. It it wasn't for me. It wasn't scary at all. Uh, but it did. Have, the visuals were creepy and scary. Uh, not scary, but creepy. Uh, especially when like. Um, like I said, it's almost like another dimension where the thing is in the room or people are in the room or there's a thing in the room or something like that, but he can't see it because it's sort of like a ghost or from another dimension. Uh, And, but he can kind of sense it or feel it or something happens and he thinks there's something behind him and you could see it there, but he can't, he turns around it's not there. He can't see it, but it's really there. Um, again, you could do worse. It wasn't bad. Uh, this isn't my kind of movie, but um, like I said, it, it, I, and the one thing, another thing I hate about horror movies is the jump scare thing. I think it's kind of a cheap thing. Uh, just you know, hell, my god, I could fucking walk through the house and the fucking dog jump out, or a cat, or or my sister. Like I said, when she used to jump out, scare, or even at work sometimes, uh, just joking around. You know, we would fucking uh, somebody be walking back where there's a lot of. Uh, uh, you know, fans blowing and stuff like that, and you can't hear, and you walk up behind them and tap them on the shoulder to scare the shit out of them. Again, I think that's kind of a cheap thing. Uh, I don't like being startled like that. When I, when I say scary, it's, it's kind of like something like that. Uh, it's just kind of like, uh, eh, I don't know. I watched uh, Mirage from 1965, and this was directed by Edward Dimitrik and uh, written by uh, the screenplay by Peter Stone but from the novel uh, by Howard Fast. Uh, This stars Greg Peck. Greg Peck. Uh, Diana Baker and Walter Matthau. Uh, I had never seen this. Didn't know anything about it. Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, I actually thought when i when i was watching it that it was a alfred hitchcock movie written and di- or, uh, directed by alfred hitchcock but it's not um gregory peck is always solid he's excellent he's a legend uh walter Matthau was always good he was a, a private dick who was it's kind of like one of those movies where um somebody finds out that their life isn't what they think it is uh, and they're trying to put the pieces together. Uh, Walter Matthau, like I said, is a private detective that is trying to help Gregory Peck. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is in this, and I've seen him in some TV shows and some other movies, and he's always good. He plays kind of a uh, sleazy kind of a guy, which he plays in a lot of movies. Jack Weston is always funny. He was in um, Gator with uh, Burt Reynolds and a lot, of, a lot of movies. Leif Erickson is somebody that I had, had been looking up Because I used to watch him on High Chaparral. He played uh, Big John Cannon. It was a western that used to be on. uh, And uh, Big John Cannon had a ranch. I think it was in like Texas. And uh, there was a lot of Apaches that would come and try and raid the ranch. And uh, Big John was married to... He kind of reminds me sort of of a um, uh, Sterling Hayden kind of type of guy uh he is uh, he was married to uh, i think francis farmer uh who you know they made the movie francis about uh who was a famous actress that had a nervous breakdown they put her in a you know an asylum and everything gave her electric shock and stuff like that uh, um, but Leif erickson is in this and he was also on uh in on the waterfront he was one of the cops they all uh, would always come around and try and ask marlon brando's character about what he saw what he heard and everything uh george kennedy is in this he's really young um, and plays kind of a baddie in this uh which he played a lot of back in those days uh this is a very good movie again i thought it was a hitchcock movie and uh i, I liked everything about it um I, I, I just missed it i for some reason i'd never seen it I can't remember. I think this one was on YouTube for free. Uh, So check it out. If you haven't seen it, it's definitely a a must-watch kind of video. Um, There was some guy on, I think it may be a newer uh, uh, member of Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema on um, the group uh, last week, I believe it was, and he mentioned that uh, he was having a watch party Online and I just happen again. I work midnight shifts, so during the day I'm here uh, when I'm not sleeping. And I think I can't remember what time they started it. Maybe at like uh, noon or something like at twelve thirty. And um, it was going to be a uh, uh, uh watch party. And um, I thought they were only going to watch one movie, but the sec, but the next one it just started. Uh, and I had no plans of watching both of them because I had to go to bed. But I started, you know, we were having such a good time, you know, of course, when you're having a watch party like this and uh, uh, you have the little uh, instant message thing over to the side and we're all making funny comments. And like I said, you know, a lot of times when we do this, whether it's me and uh, Cinemaskus, Justin Oberholzer, uh, a lot of the other guys from the group that we know. Uh, and some you know that I don't know but that Justin knows or whoever um, but we have a good time and you know you know people I didn't know anybody in this group uh, but we all had a good time we're just laughing our asses off about some of the stuff in the movie and everything I think they have a group uh, I'm not sure if I th- like I, I, I know they have a Facebook group I can't remember what it was called because I actually joined it I'll have to go back and look but it's basically a movie uh, where they watch and review sleazy movies which is right down our of course uh the first one that we watched was uh the other hell or no was this the this was the second one we watched this was bruno mate um and he wrote and directed it uh but this one um uh the other hell from 1981 which is le otro inferno and of course Nunsploitation and everything they have a um Again we watched a Japanese one first which was more more up my alley uh it was definitely uh when you say non it had a lot of fucking nudity in it a lot of sex in it a lot of uh, uh like uh, sadism and uh BDSM and stuff like that this one was uh more kind of a straight up horror movie uh with a uh kind of a Oh, how would I put it? uh like somebody kind of like losing their shit the the of course the nun and the covenant and everything that they're at is is very cultish and very uh fanatical in this one. It just didn't have as much tit it didn't have as much nudity and it didn't have as much fucking in it uh but it did have like some uh some crazy ass pe- the the one woman in it that was uh we called her um. Oh, uh, God what was it? Uh, well, we, uh, that, Va- uh, Mother Vaticant. Everybody kept calling her Mother Vaticant, I think, or something like that. Uh, Sister Vaticant. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um she kind of reminded me of the nun in uh black narcissist that kind of started losing her shit. If you ever see black narcissist, which I think they're making a mini series, a short mini series out of that movie, which was an excellent movie. Uh, but though, if you see the picture of the, the, uh, nun that kind of starts losing her shit in black narcissist, that's what the main nun. in this one kind of reminds me of, it was pretty good. Again, uh, nun exploitation, very, it was sleazy, but it wasn't, it wasn't as sleazy as much as it was just fucking, uh, uh, Crazy person losing their shit. Now, the one that was sleazy as fuck that I really... (laughs) I didn't say I really liked it, but I thought it was way better because it was just so fucking sleazy was uh, uh, School of the Holy Beast from 1974 or Seiju Gokun, uh, which is the original title. Um, (laughs) This was directed by uh, Norafumi Suzuki and uh, written by uh, Masahiro... Kakafuda and uh, uh Norafumi Suzuki and it stars Yumi Takigawa, uh Emiko Yama Yamaouchi, uh, Yeoi uh, Watanabe and a whole bunch of other people, Japanese names. Um anyway, um this one again, um there's some shit going on in this covenant for nuns and it is Uh, pretty bad. (laughs) If you fuck up in this, uh, the main nun who is like the, uh, you know, the sister, whatever, uh, she will get all the other nuns together and they'll strip you down naked and beat the fucking shit out of you with whips and, and, uh, tie you up in like B M. BDSM knots and whip you about the tits and everything. There's uh, some uh, there's some sex in this. There is a, a priest that comes to the uh, to the uh, covenant. And he's kind of like Rasputin. Uh, He even looks like Rasputin, except he's Japanese. He's got a big long beard and long hair and everything. And he goes about fucking a bunch of them. And uh, then they get jealous and stuff. And they try and scratch each other's eyes out, rip each other's clothes off. And they have like uh, fucking uh, uh, one of them will have to fight the other one while the other ones are standing around. They rip each other's clothes off and pull each other's tits and everything. Uh, This one was good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's fucking crazy as shit it's sleazy as fucking all get out this one is a big recommend school of the holy beast from 1974 i think they're gonna have another watch party i thought it was today but i can't remember i'd have to look i have to go back and look uh and like again uh, like i said i have to fucking go to sleep uh this is my last day this week Uh, So anyway, I wish I would have had it this weekend, but we'll see. It might be. I don't know. I watched another uh, classic movie called In a Lonely Place from 1950. Uh, This is a Nicholas Ray movie written by um, an adaptation of Edmund H. North's uh, book. uh, And the screenplay was by Andrew Solt. This stars Humphrey Bogart, Gloria Graham, Frank Lovejoy, Who else is in this? Uh, Nobody I know by name here, just on the first page of this. This is really good. Uh, Humphrey Bogart is a writer. And, uh, he's had a really famous, uh, book that came out. That was like a bestseller or a couple of them or something like that. And then I think he kind of, uh, got writer's block, uh, and he starts kind of, um, have, I mean, of course he's always, he's had a problem cause he can't write anything new and people say, Oh my God, you know, uh, you know, we want we want to get you a book, uh, da, da, da da. And he tell me he's working on something, but nothing's it's nothing's really coming to him. And he kind of doubts. Uh, I think he starts to doubt himself. But the one thing about this is he sort of uh, I don't know. If he, he sort of reminds me of kind of like a, maybe like a William Wellman or something like that. Where or uh, Hem- maybe not Hemingway. Hemingway sort of as far as like violence. As far as Hemingway would get in like bar fights and want to box and wrestle and stuff like that but this guy's more of like a like kind of like sean penn when he was dating fucking madonna he's very explosive he uh uh like if somebody says something to him he'll snap at him like his uh agent and things like that slap him across the face in a in a in a restaurant and somebody something happens and somebody gets killed and because he's so erratic and he drinks and he you know has been known to kind of maybe smack a woman uh, slapper or whatever or get in a fist fight or bust a bottle over somebody's head or something like that they think that maybe he might be the guy uh and he meets this woman and he falls in love with and everything, and uh the whole thing revolves around, you know, people suspecting him and uh how he feels about it and how they act differently and everything. But it's really good, it's a good story. I really liked it. I I, I had never heard even heard of it. I think I found this one on YouTube also for free. But it's very good, and I like uh Gloria Graham, she's cute and she uh, uh she's cute. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. I watched Blood and Money. God, my back's starting to fucking hurt. It's getting real stiff. Uh, Two forty-five. Let's let's run through this shit. Um, and I hate to say that because I mean, you know, watch these stuff to, to talk about. And if uh, if I, if I uh, get to where get to three hours and I haven't finished or gotten closer, we'll save some of these for the next show because I wanted to get this one out. I meant to do it. Uh, I think. Uh, th- uh wednesday or tuesday of this week and i just didn't feel like coming here and sitting uh blood Mo- blood and money is from 2020 this is a new movie um the original title is allagash uh the reason i watched it is, is it's a new movie with tom berenger he's the star of it uh, of course straight to dvd or straight to digital download um it's written and directed by john barr uh it doesn't have anybody that i know in it except um i think um Tom Berringer. Um, But basically I like Tom Behringer and I have liked him since I saw him first in maybe dogs of war, maybe uh, dogs of war, butch and Sen- Sundance Sunday the early years, of course, platoon. He hit it really big uh, looking for uh, Mr. Goodbar. Uh, there was a lot of stuff. And he was in that movie with Suzanne Plachette that was a made-for-TV movie based on a famous novel. He was a professional boxer, and he kind of had an incestuous relationship with his mother, speaking of Kay Parker. Um, blood and Blood and Soul? Something like that. Uh, anyway, so Tom Berenger in this, um, of course, you know, he's a pretty old guy now, and yeah, that's what he plays. Uh, but he is... Um, he, Works for a like a wildlife kind of a deal where he stops at. He always, I, I couldn't really get what he did, uh, but he would he had a like a, a pickup truck that had like a camper on it that sits on the bed that he has, it's like his place where he actually lives. Uh, he's um had his past, it's sort of like he's haunted by his past. Uh, and, but he goes out in like these national forests and things like that. And he hunts, uh, but he always stops at these, like this, like ranger station and has to check in and do this and that. So I can't, I can't really figure out what if like his job is, um, or if he's just hunting and he goes and checks in to check the, the animal in, that he, the deer that he got, or something like that. Um, it takes place in northern Maine. And then uh, he's out there kind of, it's really remote, and he's out there in the middle of nowhere. Again, sort of like the Ernest Borgnine movie. Some people rob a bank, and they're on the run. And he's out there in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and of course, they're not, you know, he's a hunter and, and all that. Uh, and he, kind of has to deal with that whole situation it's not bad uh there are so many things it's it's very average i like watching tom berenger and i like him in these kind of uh outdoorsy movies or you know like i said like sniper or something like that uh, but um there are so many situations in this where like say um he doesn't have a gun and he somehow hits the bad guy over the head and the guy's Guns laying there and he's like, okay, he's going to get a gun and he picks it up and he checks the fucking uh, clip in it and it's out of bullets. Well, then that happens like two or three times the exact same way. He's like, okay, I got a, I got a gun now and it doesn't have any bullets in it or, you know, things, things like that where, you know, he goes and there's a car there and uh, he finds the keys, but something happened you know it's just like he has the worst fucking luck uh like i said if you can watch it for free uh i think it is on prime um i waited it was on itunes for a long time to rent and i like tom berenger but i just didn't pull the string on it and uh, i'm glad i didn't because like i said it's very average Ah, uh, worth a watch. You could do you could do worse, but I found myself sitting there thinking, "Okay, Jesus Christ, how many how many times is the is the thing not going to go that that happens and it should be okay? It's going to turn the tide for him a little bit, and that you know I don't know. I watched this is a very good movie. It's called The Beautiful Country from 2004. It's a long... Uh, it's, a, it's not super long. It's two hours. A little over two hours. Two hours and five minutes. Uh, it was directed by Hans-Peter Moland. And uh, one of the main reasons I, I watch this is because on the box cover art, it's got uh, Tim Roth and Nick Nolte. Uh, uh, bai Ling is in this. And Damien Nguyen. Uh, Damien Nguyen is the star. And Bai Ling. Basically, those two are the, um, uh, are the main characters. Tim Roth is in it quite a bit. Uh, and also... Um, um uh, uh tamora morrison is in it uh him and tim roth kind of have a, uh, about the same size a uh, part uh nick nolte is definitely in this he has a very a very important and pivotal pivotal role um but this is a very good movie it's about uh uh kids uh born of uh vietnamese mothers uh who Uh, were involved with american gi's in during the vietnam war and what happened to them uh this one really man there was some there was uh there's definitely one scene in this that got me it really teared me up and made me sad um very good story i don't know if it's based on a true story or not i I, i'm sure it's based on a true story because there was a lot of times that stuff like this happened uh just just a very it's a sad movie but it's it's a good movie i had never even fucking heard of it so i mean i'm glad i found it this one i think was on i can't remember what i saw it on so i i can't tell you Uh, if it was on prime or netflix or youtube i can't remember i think maybe youtube um i watched dark crimes from 2016 this is another one that has been out for a long time and i almost pulled the trigger on it but just didn't because i didn't want to rent it i wanted to just go ahead and watch it when it came to netflix or prime i think this one is on prime um this one uh one of the selling points of this is it's jim carrey doing a dramatic role um it also has Martin, uh, um, uh, socus, I guess is a Greek name. I think, uh, cause like Larry Zonka as uh, uh, Zocus cause Larry Zonka was CS. So, okay. Uh, and Charlotte Gainsborough Gainsborough is in this, which I know her from, uh, lots of, uh, from, uh, Antichrist and also Nymphomaniac. Um, this is a pretty good movie. It's, uh, I think based on true story, Um, it takes place in Poland and Jim Carrey is a detective. He's a policeman. He's a detective. And he's one of these guys that is almost like a, um, obsessive compulsive uh when he digs his teeth into a case and starts working on it i mean he works on it like constantly he works after hours off the clock uh he's always out surveilling or, or going to uh looking through the files and looking and looking even when he's at home he's looking looking and, and his wife you know is just he just completely gets so so immersed in uh the case that you know it comes him and his wife you know are like strangers um there's a a um there's a murder uh and he it's it's kind of like a cold case but i think he had worked on it before or something and uh he's going to try and figure it out and uh he does a good job again you know with the um with the uh accents i mean when i was watching this i thought maybe he was doing like a uh an uh sort of a Scottish or Irish or something—I can't put my finger on it—but it, it definitely did not sound like Polish. But no, I mean, n- none of the people in it are you know speaking. Uh, like I said, Mar- uh, that uh, Martin uh, Sokus—he, uh, uh, where he, where is he from? He is from New Zealand. Uh, but he's Hungarian, so, and I'm a uh, quarter Hungarian, so anyway. Uh, English, Irish, Danish is his mother, and then his dad was Hungarian. So, yeah, I, I could see maybe, like, the Hungarian accent there. Uh, he definitely doesn't have a New Zealand accent. accent. But anyway, this is pretty good. It's, um, you know, uh, didn't rate very well, and I don't think it did very well at the box office, but it was okay. Um, it was worth a watch. Again, nothing, you know, that I would want to revisit or anything, but it's, uh, it, was, it was definitely, it, you know, I watched it. I didn't get bored with it or anything. I think some people said that they thought it was too long and Jim Carrey really wasn't uh, that good in it or something, but I thought he did an okay job. Uh, I watched Diary of a Madman from 1963, and this is uh, directed by Reginald Leborg, Uh written by uh, Guy Dumont-Passant uh is the one one of the did the stories and robert e kent stars vincent price nancy kovac and chris warfield uh this is pretty good um (sighs) vincent price is a of course this a magistrate french magistrate uh and he um it's a it's a horror movie but almost sort of a little bit Giallo ish, um, there, and, and it has uh, some metaphysical stuff in it. Um, he is involved in, uh, I think putting, see, I watched this a while, a little while back, and uh, I know he was involved in the conviction of some uh, of a criminal, and I think the guy was put to death. And then somebody is going around killing people, and he's trying to figure out uh, what's going on and who's doing it and everything. And again, it has a definite metaphysical kind of a thing to it. Uh, I don't know if this is a Hammer movie, I'm not sure kind of had the feel of one but it's pretty good again i don't know if i would uh, not quite a b movie like some of the other ones i was talking about this is a little bit above that but uh it's not like a a big uh you know the, the main thing diary of the madman i remember ozzy osbourne so i think i'm sure that's where you got that from but it's worth a watch it's pretty good vincent price i always like watching him you know in some of in his old movies old scary movies uh let's see here okay i'm almost at three hours people and uh we'll go just a little bit longer here let me see where i'm at on my list here uh da, 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 da. go a little bit about halfway maybe a little bit more um I watched Revolver from 1973. Uh, this stars uh, Oliver Reed and Fabio Testi, um, uh, directed by Sergio Solima. And uh, the screenplay was done by Dino Maggiore uh, and Massimo di Rita. <laughs> Rita. Um, this one was pretty good. Uh, it was... Um, Again, some of these, i got to go from memory, and my memory is turning to shit lately. Uh, Fabio, okay. Uh, Oliver Reed is a warden of a prison, and um, something happened. Let's see. An Italian official decides to take it upon himself uh, to free his wife after she is taken hostage by a ruthless criminal. Okay, they basically kidnap Oliver Reed's wife. He is the warden of a prison, and... um, to help he has to they tell him you have to help uh this guy that we know get out of prison and he's the warden so fabio testi is the guy and fabio testi is like a fucking um i'm talking about actual fabio testi not the character he looks like a fucking male model uh very good looking guy uh you know of course he's italian um but he's in the movies that I've watched him in. I enjoy watching him in, in movies in these roles in police movies as either a cop or as a bad guy and everything uh, or in a Western. Um, uh, Oliver Reed is always, you know, explosive in this one. It's, it must, it's definitely after he got his face mutilated by a, uh, a broken whiskey bottle or beer bottle in a bar fight in real life because he's got the big bushy mustache uh, he always looks like uh, somebody who could murder somebody or beat the shit out of somebody or rape somebody. <laughs> he, he has that definite look. He looks like somebody that you wouldn't want to fuck with. Um, but he helps um, Fabio Testi get out of prison. Then there is kind of a... Um, uh, I, I don't want to say convoluted, but you're trying to figure out what's the fuck's going on there is a guy who is friends with fabio testi who is like a uh, musical he seemed like he would be like somebody who was a big uh, pop star with, uh, you know, music, but also maybe making movies. They didn't have videos back then, but something like that. He's got, like, fans and stuff and groupies and shit all over the place. But I like this one. I like the, uh, you know, they kind of put uh, Oliver Reed's character, even though he, you know, he's a warden. He's not a cop, but he basically is on that side of the law. And then they do shit to... to. Uh, uh, force him to go the other way and uh then it starts out him and fabio testi kind of butt heads because he doesn't like fabio testi cuz i mean he doesn't want to help him out of jail and uh and then he does but then as they go along they kind of have to work together and then they start kind of uh becoming more uh I don't want to say they build a relation. I guess any kind of relationship is a relationship, but um Fabio Testi ends up being uh not as bad and Oliver Reed not as good. There was one scene in this that was very disturbing to me, uh a rape scene and uh yeah, it was you, you uh, didn't see uh, the full thing, but how they shot it and um, Oliver Reed having to experience it in a certain way while it was happening was very disturbing to me and it was kind of like that's one of those things it makes it real because it is something that like criminals or people that were psychopaths or something like that that don't care about other people and rape definitely it's like irreversible it's not a it's not a titillating thing like you would see in some movies in the 70s um uh, where they would make it more of a titillating kind of a thing. It's a violent, horrible, ugly thing, and that's what this was. But it, it disturbed me a lot. Um, I might cut it off here. I don't have to work this weekend. Uh, we're at three hours now, so I'm going to make a mark here by Revolver, and we have covered all that. And then, I, I don't know, it's, I'm not going to do like a wait and do like a whole week before I I'll get on and do me like a, uh, make it like a two parter. And uh, since I'm not working because of COVID and everything and not being able to go visit anybody or anything like that um, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. about 10 more movies there. And I'll probably watch some stuff here uh, in the next couple of days. And I'll add on to that and maybe find another topic uh, to kind of, you know, add on to like the movie reviews and uh, and we'll put that we'll we'll record that this weekend because like I said with COVID and everything, you know I'm gonna be pretty much not doing anything and be at home anyway. So and watching movies and watching TV and everything. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and sign off now. We got three hours in. I definitely do have to go to sleep. I appreciate all the feedback uh, that I'm getting uh, since I started the show back up, and I really appreciate everybody's support. And uh, especially even on the group, you know we got some uh, good conversation going about some of these movies. You know that i've watched this week and uh and uh love that and uh also sharing the uh, some hot hot tub uh stuff with our uh with our friends as far as uh, uh, certain uh vivacious and uh ladies that we find to be very uh alluring uh anyway i'm gonna get off here now and again uh, this is dr zom uh from zomania and I hope you enjoy this. I talked pretty fast through it because I was just rambling. Like I said, I get off on get off in the weeds on certain subjects and everything. But I think we had a pretty good show today, and uh, I'll get it out to you as soon as I can. Thanks, everybody.